What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. We are back again. That is right. It is that time of year. It's that time of season. It's a wonderful time to be a sports card collector because the National Sports Collectors Convention has been going on in beautiful and I'm sure uh, very safe Chicago, Illinois, and uh, none other than Ryan, a.k.a. at Sports Card News, has been uh, floating around, hanging out in uh, Chicago, and we've got him on the line. How you doing today? Wow. You you remember last time we did a podcast together? Uh, You remember that one? Oh, it was uh, the little clapping episode. Not not two, two, not not three, three, not not four, not five. Oh man! So just now, wasn't he guilty of five? Five? Did he get five? (laughs) I I actually haven't. I know you wrote articles and stuff about it, but I actually didn't. uh, He threatened to kill three people uh, with a gun or something, and uh, that's that's pretty dramatic situation. And uh, he pled down and. He did. There was some documents where he had to list all the drugs he was on. So s- some lengthy responses there. But you can you guys can go. Uh, you know, that's just kind of rehashing old news. But you guys can go check that out for yourself. <laughs> did he have his did he have his booth? Did they have a booth? And- Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't there himself, I guess. Didn't have team with polo shirts or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. OK. So, uh, other than that, well, how's uh, how's everything been going on in uh, your neck of the woods there? Oh, well, Chicago's been nice. Weather's been good. Uh, humidity cranked down a notch. Weather cranked down a notch, so not too hot. And uh, there, it rained one evening, but, um, you know, no Midwestern, Midwestern thunderstorms. But super busy national. This is like the fifth or sixth time. Um. You know, I've been in a row, and uh, nothing like this in terms of crowds and uh, all the days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and now Saturday, just jam-packed. Not jam-packed, but just packed, and uh, steady stream of people coming in, especially today, and, uh, you know, believe me, I would much rather get on, and we would talk about the crickets convention, and there's nobody here, and the hobby's dying, and blah, 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 so, you know, you could take it for what it's worth that... You know, I'm on here saying that it was packed and it was just pretty incredible to see the turnout and uh, just a good national. But, you know, for me, I'd rather cover a slower convention. You can talk to people, you get more insight and dirt and can take more pictures and better videos. But just so many people, it's kind of a smaller venue as it is. So uh, compared to like Cleveland or even maybe Atlantic City and Baltimore, um, a little tighter. So people just crammed in a little bit more aisles, a little tighter. So, but fun show. I'm sure everybody who came out probably had a good time and, uh, you know, maybe found something they were looking for, but, uh, good well, times. One thing really fun. we, one thing we always tend to talk about is kind of the demographic or kind of the mix of people. And I know, uh, sports cards in general tends to be male, white, slightly overweight, or maybe even tipping the scales, to the overweight status, um, we've talked about maybe the lack of uh, younger kids, or uh, I think lack of females is kind of a given. But um, you know, what's the what's the mix of the crowd like? 
I mean, it's still the, the you know, the middle-aged to older white man convention. Today I noticed, a, you know, some a few more kids. There was even one time a girl, she had a little ice cream cone. She was walking with her dad, and she was like, I love this. And, and the dad looked down at her. She was probably like, I don't know, three or four maybe. And he, and he was like, oh, you're having a good time? And she was like, oh, yeah, this is the best. And I was, you know, I almost like fell down. I was like, couldn't believe it. And uh, so, I mean, it, nothing like, you know, back in the day in Anaheim and stuff, but certainly more than the last couple of years, an uptick in kids, an uptick in families. Uh, still the whiteness uh, kind of dominates the show, but probably same with coin shows too. The coin show I went to in Long Beach was, Kind of the old white man convention, older, even older demographic for that coin show. I mean, that's the old man. Oh uh, God, hobby there. You know that Coins better is than the anybody. Old, old, I, the funny thing about the coin industry is, like, I'm wondering. A lot of these guys are getting really old. They're croaking off. They're gonna, you know, a lot of them aren't gonna sell off their collection. They're, it's just gonna get left to their kids. It's like, what's gonna happen to the coin industry? <laughs> you know, in like maybe 15 years, 20 years. Is the next generation really going to be, you know, I mean, I know I've got a stack of silver and a little bit of gold, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're, you've never been to the National, but I tell you what, I, I can't go two aisles without somebody either uh, somehow finding out that that I'm your brother or that you host the show or I tell you what, you're you're more famous than I am, and I've been to like the last six of these. So, got people saying, you know, when are we going to do the podcast? They're talking about all your greatest hits on your show <laughs> over the years. So, uh, you know, one of these days you'll have to make it out. Maybe they'll do it in Vegas or Cali or something oh. or Texas or. And well, maybe, if anybody yeah. from the National Sports Card Collectors Convention is listening, if you want me to come and promote your event and really give it my full bore, Las Vegas. Uh, Anywhere in California, anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, really nice up there. But <laughs> that was the only place. Miami. I've never been to oh. Miami, but uh, seen enough on TV. And, and LeBron took his talents to South Beach. So I take mm. my talents to South Beach if it goes down there. But uh, been to Chicago. Baltimore is as ghetto as the hometown I'm from. And... Uh, where else does it go? New Jersey. Oh, uh, the New, yeah. No don't thanks. go to New Jersey. Don't go. No to New thanks. Jersey. Cleveland. Been to Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland horrible. doesn't rock. It sucks. So uh, this is the only times I'm going to go. But hey, I appreciate uh, everybody listening. Appreciate the love. Uh, definitely do this out of love. Uh, and, and really, that's the only reason why. Well, I think we're in our ninth year here on the Sports Card Show podcast. And, uh, yeah, this is like our fifth or at least our fifth or sixth time here doing the national, uh, doing the kind of the national recap with you. What else, what are the kind of other things you've seen around the show? Oh, I want to get your reaction, actually, because I've heard from several people and, you know, people that I definitely trust and, uh, you know, wouldn't lead me astray. But I want to get your reaction because apparently the Dak Prescott uh, auto pin Situation. Apparently, this is a passed down auto pen. <laughs> um, so, Dak Prescott, if you if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock, he auto penned some cards, uh, some Panini Prism cards that were redemption, and they ended up back at Panini, and uh, they got sent out. Some got over to BGS, and BGS discovered that they were 
uh, auto penned. They contacted Panini. Panini initially wasn't very receptive and said, hey, you know, these are good. We don't know what you're talking about. And uh, eventually they kind of came around that, that they weren't. But apparently the situation is that this is a passed down auto pen from Troy Aikman, who then um, gave it to Tony Romo. Once Tony, Tony Romo was huge. I mean, Tony Romo was bigger than Dak Prescott. Um, I mean, the whole Jessica Simpson thing. And, I mean, Tony Romo yeah, was, like, was huge. Big. Yeah. And uh, so then Tony Romo is still on the Cowboys or was. Uh, maybe he still is. Or he retired. He retired, uh, but he, yeah. He was golfing. last year. Yeah, he was last year. And uh, he saw how much fan mail Dak was getting, and he passed it down to Dak. So that's apparently the story. And I heard that from a few different people. So what do you think about that? Well, I think it's totally believable. I think um, my, my opinion the, the entire time was there's one group of people that should know Dak Prescott's signature as well or maybe even better than Dak. And that's maybe his mom. But it's Panini America. Panini America has had Dak sign thousands and thousands of cards. Panini America has seen more Dak Prescott signatures than Beckett has. Panini should not have to have Beckett or even it was really like, you know, Beckett and like groups of collectors basically had to tell Panini that the, the autographs were auto penned. And so, you know, whether the – I totally believe that the auto pen got passed down, totally believe that Dak Prescott probably was overwhelmed, whether it's from fan mail and probably was definitely overwhelmed from the signing all the cards from Panini and was getting sick of it. But Panini America, it's Panini America's guarantee. It's Panini America selling the cards. It's Panini America's whole business model revolves around selling authentic items. Like, it's all about their own reputation. Dak Prescott's job is to throw touchdowns. Dak Prescott's job is to win football games. His job is not to sign autographs. So however he decides to sign the autographs is his own prerogative. But it's not Panini's prerogative to just look the other way when clearly they should know an authentic Dak Prescott autograph from a fake one or from an auto, certainly from an auto pen one. Um, so in my opinion, my opinion hasn't changed. It's just like if you were to go to a steakhouse and they were, you order bone-in ribeye, USDA prime meat, and they bring you out a frozen New York strip USD choice. You wouldn't blame the meat company. You wouldn't blame the cow. You would blame the dumbass chef in the back who took your order and screwed it up or used inferior materials. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, if you built a house and you hired a contractor and they built the house and it fell down, you wouldn't go blame the trees or the guy that, the, the lumber yard that, uh, you know, cut the trees down. You'd blame your contractor for using inferior materials or look, and not screwing things in right. So I totally blame Panini 110%. 
These athletes can get their mom to sign it, an auto pen to sign it. They can sign it themselves. It's Panini's job to make sure whatever they're putting their guarantee on, whatever they're selling the customer, whatever they're selling, sending to the customer, it is 100% their obligation to make sure that is authentic. And if it's not, obviously, I fully expect them to rectify the situation. Sounds like, or it looked like they already had Dak Prescott signed some cards. He hasn't signed his prison cards yet. But, um, you know, at least they're rectifying the situation. But it, I don't have a lot of, quite frankly, I don't have a lot of confidence that uh, anything has changed over there or anything will change. Athletes will probably still try to use an auto pen or try to get their girlfriend to sign the cards. And it doesn't seem like to me Panini really gives a damn uh, about it at all. Right. And, you know, I think it's so good to be, you know, not afraid to keep the heat on. The hobby's maybe as good as it's going since the 90s, to be honest, with the size of this crowd here and really the size in Atlantic City. I was shocked at how big the crowd was. So, you know, this is a, a going on a three, four, five year real good run for the hobby. So uh, now's not the time to take the foot off the gas when these guys make mistakes. Let's not lose these new people coming into the hobby. Let's not lose these people who are coming back into the hobby. Let's not lose these little kids who are walking around with their parents. Um, let's turn these people into lifelong collectors and make sure this modern stuff holds the value as this vintage stuff has. And, and you know, this vintage stuff has gone up exponentially. So. Um, I think it's good to have this discussion and, and hold the, you know, Panini's feet to the fire or Top's feet to the fire. You know, somebody was, was saying how, uh, you know, me and you are bagging on Panini. I would much rather this be Top's screwing up. Top's is a bigger brand, more well-known, more clicks, more For years more we hits, were. More uh, money. Uh, yeah, for years we were. Their customer so, service was terrible. I was getting emails right. every, every other day that Top's wasn't answering their question. I had a Willie Mays autograph, this, that, and the other. I remember getting tons of complaints about Top's, and what did I do? I got on the show and told everybody, do not buy Top's stuff. If you pull a redemption, you know, go to the church, start praying that you'll actually get that card. And if you don't, pray even more that somebody will pick up the phone over there and answer your question. Now, I'm not saying Tops has run uh, perfectly, but I've stopped getting complaints about Top. I've stopped getting daily and weekly complaints about the Tops company. Now, obviously, there's things that they're doing wrong. There's things that they can improve over there, but at least they're attempting to put the customer uh, first a little bit more than they were uh, when, what's his, what was the guy's name? Uh, Mark? Mark Sapir. Yeah, I mean, that guy was a complete idiot, complete moron, didn't know what he was doing. So Topps cleaned house a little bit, got some of the morons out of there, the guys that really cared more about whatever, uh, you know, selling dog food or whatever than actually running a good business. And that's what needs to happen at Panini. From the top down, the place needs to get cleaned out. They have holdovers from Don Russ over there. They have people that used to work for Beckett over there. They have people that have worked in this industry for a long time and don't know what they're doing. They've like I was looking the other day, not the other day, but a while back I was looking on LinkedIn and it was the brand manager of one of the comp, uh, the collegiate project uh, uh, the collegiate products. His previous 8 years was like a controller at an insurance company. He knew nothing about 
football cards. He knew nothing about the hobby. And he was a brand manager. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. At least Topps has made some hires. We know some of the people that they've hired that used to be bloggers or, or were involved in this hobby. And they've made some, some of the employees were tweeting me and DMing me this week. So they have an open line of communication. They're not trying to pull the wool. When they make a mistake, they tend to uh, own up to it at least a little bit. I don't know if they're really genuine about trying to fix it. But f- from what I've seen, Tops has started to try to at least move. No company is perfect, but at least they've tried to move themselves in the right direction. So I'm not going to sit here and blast off on them uh, while they do make mistakes. You know, I think they had like a Mike Piazza. Something happened with Mike Piazza. I don't really know the whole story around it. But they've made some mistakes. Tops has made some mistakes. But they're, they at least address, attempt to address them honestly and somewhat openly. Whereas Panini, it's like, oh, these Dak Prescott, uh, you know, uh, the, one of the number one authenticators in the business says these are auto pens. And Panini is like, oh, well, we don't know. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Right. And, and even, you know, the level of transparency at Tops, while you said they may not be perfect, but for every year I've gone to the National, they've held a live Q&A where you could come and ask any question you want to them. Um, so that's something that Panini doesn't do. They have an ultra, you know, $10,000, $25,000 VIP party. but With paper with, plates. With, Oh my God! That I almost fell over laughing. I about died when I saw that. <laughs> I saw that tweet and I was like, "Wow, there's got to be a joke here." But what I'm anybody out there that went to the Pianini via? How much did it cost? Like fifteen thousand dollars or something like that? Wasn't it like well, a lot of money? You know, these dealers they're going to buy this stuff anyway, so it kind of works out for them. But yeah, it's a minimum I think ten, and then uh, they have the twenty five thousand like super package or whatever okay. it was. I'm going to make a proposal here on the Sports Card Show podcast. I've literally, over my right shoulder, I'm sitting in my living room or dining room kind of, and over my right shoulder, I have a cabinet full of China that was made in the USA, okay? I know uh, everybody thinks I've jumped on the Trump bandwagon uh, just just because, but I got married many years ago before Trump even was uh, in office, and I demanded that my China was made in the USA. Okay, I have over $1,500 worth of China in my cabinet. I've never even taken it out of the box. I've never eaten off this China. If somebody wants to come to my house and pay me $10,000, I will serve you whatever food. USDA, I'll go, there's a, a really fine grocery store up the street. I'll go get, get USDA Prime, ribeye. Uh, they have tomahawk. They have whatever you want. I'll serve it to you on my very expensive China, and you can take the China home. For $10,000, you can come over here. I'll serve you any meal you want. You can eat off my China and take it home. Panini, you pay them $15,000, and they got paper plates and paper napkins, and they tweet about it saying it was a nice touch. <laughs> I mean, good God. That just shows you how... I mean, good Lord. If I went to a VIP party and there was paper plates and mm. paper napkins... I, I mean, I'd wipe my, I'd start wiping my ass with it. I'd be like, is, it, is this to wipe my ass? Because there has to be China and Crystal somewhere. Like, at a VIP party, that just shows you the standards. And, and then there would be guys, I don't know when this VIP, maybe it's tonight. But tonight. there'll be guys there, then they'll be lubing up their right hand and be jerking off. They'll be so excited to go to this party. 
and they're serving you on paper plates and paper napkins when a VIP party is China and crystal and candlelight. <laughs> maybe the model, maybe they'll have uh, 25 models there and you have one sitting on your lap and maybe it'll, that's what they spent their money on. I don't know, but I just saw paper plates and VIP party. Those are two things that don't go together. I mean, if Panini was like a frat house, and they'd have a party, it'd be like the most lame party. They wouldn't even have like beer or a keg or like, you know, there'd be like no women there. There'd be no music. Although like there'd be like bright lights, no music, no women, no beer. It'd be like water. I mean, that'd be their idea of like a frat, like a, a party. I mean, you got to be kidding me. A VIP party is, and anyways. So why don't we, uh, you know, enough about uh, Panini. Why don't we jump into check on my cards because I had another, um, as I do every year, you know, an hour long about talk with check on my cards owner, founder, CEO, Tim Getch. And um, during that time I took mental notes and then I actually right after that basically essentially put the notes onto Twitter. So I have that up. Why don't I go through that, and then I'm going to get your kind of reaction. Um, since it apparently, for, from what I understand, I mean, they basically, your podcast is like the background noise going at, at Check Out My Cards. I mean, they all are up on the latest episode and what you said and, you know, card fondling and the nickel, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Hey, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I, I visited, uh, thanks to a listener of the show who set up the, uh, the, the meeting with them. I visited them. That was several years ago. I, I come to understand they, they've expanded uh, probably threefold at least since then. And I was, I was blown away. I was uh, not expecting, uh, I mean, I was expecting a well-run organization and a well-run, uh, something that was very impressive. I was incredibly impressed uh, with what's going on. Like I said, you could take all the company, all the card companies combine all their office space and put it in check out my card's headquarters and like half the employees wouldn't even know they were there. That's how big and expansive and uh, such a big uh, operate. I don't think a lot of people realize this. I had a lot of people, I had a lot of idiots on Twitter. Uh, I mean, some people make the argument like, oh, they don't have they don't have the Mickey Mantles and they don't have the Jordan. You know, they're not selling the, the high end stuff that the the PWCCs are, are selling on uh, eBay. It's like, guys, you get rich selling millions of cards, not hundreds of cards, you know, and when when Terapeak, um, you know, it took it took like two months for check out my cards to start selling more not only quantity, but dollar value than those guys do. Those guys have been selling for years on eBay. And it took check out my cards like two months. Obviously, they're crowdsourcing a lot of that. It's just an impressive company uh, from, from my view. It's under, uh, it's under monetized. And, and that's, at, and from me as being, uh, I don't want to say an experienced investor, but in someone that really appreciates investments, as an investor, 
I see that, hey, check on my cards has all this card data. That's worth a lot of money. They have all these customer accounts and all of these ways to make money. They could certainly do something like Amazon and jack up like long-term storage fees. So if you have a card sitting in there for, you know, 12 months, now it's two cents a month or three cents a month. There, there's just all these different ways. Check on my cards can generate money and then they can transition into coins. They could transition into watches. They could transition into sneakers. They could transition into anything they want. And as an investor, that's awesome. I look at Panini. What more can Panini do? They have the football license. They have the MLBPA license. They have the NBA license. What else can they do to really pull some levers on their business and, and make more money? They, they don't have any levers on their business because, oh, they have to negotiate with 30 of the world's smartest businessmen and businesswomen every couple years to renew their license. And trust me, guys, Jerry Jones didn't get rich and Robert Kraft didn't get rich by allowing other companies to make a bunch of money off them. Everybody thinks, oh, the NFL wants Panini to be successful. No, they don't. They want them to borrow as much money as they can from the bank so they can extract it from them. And that's exactly what these companies have been doing since they went to the exclusive. Exclusive license has been in play for about 10 years. All these companies, Tops in particular, sold 10 years ago for over $300 million. They had $85 million in cash. They had $0.00 and zero cents in debt. They would pay a regular dividend to shareholders. Tops today has $160 million in debt. The company is worth a fraction of $300 million. They don't have the, the football license anymore. They don't have a basketball license anymore. They don't have a hockey license anymore. These companies have been bled to death by some of the world's smartest businessmen and women that own NFL, NBA, NHL franchises. These are not dummies that run these leagues. These are smart people that are not trying to let Panini get rich. They're not trying to let Tops get rich. They're not trying to let a company like Leaf come up and get rich and build a big business. No, they're not. They don't give a damn about any of those companies. The only thing they care about is money. And they've extracted it beautifully from these companies and they're all not investable they're worth nothing. Contrast that to check on my cards. Oh, they don't have to pay the leagues anything. There's how many millions and millions and maybe even billions of cards in circulation? Oh, there's a lot. There's a limit to how many cards. There's you know, a theoretical limit to how many cards Tops can make in a year and sell to people. And oh, on top of that, they have to pay the MLBPA X percentage. They have to pay the MLB X percentage. And when that contract gets renewed, guess what? The price goes up. The guarantees go higher and higher. The MLB is not in the business of getting less money or cutting someone a break. That's why it's a terrible business. That's why the card companies have struggled to find uh, investors outside of a bank to loan them money. Trust me, they've all tried to find uh, investors the last 10 years to help them out, and none of them have had any interest in that. Terrible business model. I don't expect you know, 99% of the hobby to understand that. 
these guys seem more worried about, oh, the PSA 10 Jordan, you know, that's, it's so cool. It's so awesome that this guy sold it for 30,000 and, you know, nobody cares about those cards. And check out my cards makes money, hand over fist, processing millions and millions and millions of cards. I think I had an email listener who has a pretty cool script that like can like, I think he must do it some way where he can like basically pull the, you know, pull all the inventory from check out my cards. And I think he sent me an email where they have like, they have four million, I think they have 4 million individual listings on check out my cards right now. But I think he calculated that there was over 14 million cards for sale on the site right now. Wow. Times 14 million by 0.25. And that's just the cards on the site. Okay. We haven't counted. Check out my cards has been around for a while, like 10 years, I think. Think about all the other cards that they've processed. And, ca- and I mean, we're talking probably north of 100 million, maybe 200 million. I don't really know, but it's probably easily north of 100 million. Times 100 million by 0.25. And we're at a huge number. And think about, okay, yeah, I'd have to pay employees. I'd have to pay for warehouse space. I'd have to pay for all this stuff. But $25 million? That's a lot of money. Well, and he's funded the company with uh, ongoing, you know, cash that he's made on the business. Like, he hasn't taken out a huge line of credit or loans or anything like that or taken on investment. It's been self-funded through the growth of of the site. And now, you know, like you said, he's got the distribution center in Canada. He's got the one that you visited in Washington. And I think he had to move a little further uh, south. And he's now looking for more space, needs more space to expand, uh, needs more developers for the website. And, um, you know, like you said, they're, they're not reliant on the leagues like Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck are. If the, if the MLB license change, that doesn't change Check Out My Cards business. There's still you know, 100 billion cards that have been made. They have 14 million sitting on their site. There's more people sending in stuff every day. So, you know, they're not reliant. The same way eBay isn't reliant. eBay's been, you know, the number one place to buy and sell sports cards for how many years? Since oh, yeah. the 90s, right? Yeah. No, so, and it's a multi-billion dollar company. They've, they, they were able to buy PayPal, and then spin that out. They were able to buy uh, GSI distribution, I think, spin that out eventually. And they've bought all these other, they've bought a lot of, the, you know, they've invested that money by acquiring a lot. And, and eBay, I don't know, they're probably a nine, $10 billion company, easy. So, yes, I'm impressed with eBay's business model. Yes, I'm, you know, and that's why eBay's a public company and is investable. I don't know if I'd invest in it, but. You know, that's why PayPal was investable and is a great investment. That's why Check Out My Cards, if, you know, was, if it was a public company, would be a great investment. Uh, like, I was looking at Amazon the other day. Amazon trades at, like, 250 times earnings, which means you take its earnings, you times it by 250, and then you get to the value of the stock. I mean, the average on the S&P, to give you, an, uh, you know, a comparison for those of you guys out there, the average stock on the S&P 500 trades at 20 times earnings. And that's high right now, okay? 10 years ago, it was like maybe almost single digits, 8, 9, 10%, yeah. 8, 9, 10. Now, you know, stocks are all times high. People are greedy. So it's, they're, paying, they're having to pay 20 times. 
Amazon is like 200 and something times that. It's like 10 times the average because it's a hot business model. Fulfillment is hot. And we'll talk about Amazon later. I mean, I'm, I'm 30 days into my Amazon selling. I'm up to $5,000 in sales. I mean, every time I click refresh, I'm, I'm selling something. I mean, it's incredible. Like, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't, don't expect the average collector who's more enamored with, you know, a PSA 7 Mickey Mantle or, a, you know, a Jordan rookie. These guys, that's what gets their dick hard. For me, what gets my dick hard is there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of cards out there. It gets harder and harder and harder to sell on eBay gets more and more time consuming, more and more expensive, more and more difficult when you can just box them up and send to a company and they can, you know, do 90% of the work for you. On top of that, they have the world's best card catalog. They have the world's best pricing data. They don't charge for them. I mean, I think they have a thing where they charge for it, but it's under underutilized, under monetized. They can expand into coins, a, a market that is at least 10 times bigger than the card market, probably way bigger than that, because um, you've been to a car- coin show. I mean, it's, yep. you know, I know that the crowds may not be as robust, but the kind of money flowing through those kind of events, I mean, dwarfs. It was jam-packed. The, yeah. the Las Vegas, oh, cool. I mean, the Long Beach one I went to, it was freaking slammed. And that's, like, the, I mean, was- that's the coin show of all coin shows. And right. they, I, I mean, mean, they're not into that market. There's just a lot of things where, again, I look at tops. It's like, what can they do? They could do EPAC. I think that would expand their business and that would bring in some money. But again, for every EPAC sold, they're paying 20%, at least 20% off the top to the leagues and the players association. Oh, and guess what? That contract expires in three years. And last time I checked, the world's richest people and the world's richest athletes are not going to want to take a pay cut. And baseball, more than likely, in three years, will be more popular than it is today. So guess what? They're going to ask for more money and ask for more guarantees. And, and if Top says no, oh, guess what? There'll be some other company there willing to take it up the ass and pay up. So there's actually no moat around Topps' business because if they're like, ah, we don't really feel like paying you guys uh, 20% royalty. We want to pay you 18. Guess what the MLB is going to do? They're going to say, oh, see ya. Whereas if Check On My Cards is like, mm, we're going to raise fees by a nickel, guess what's going to happen? You guys are going to have to pay an extra nickel. Then. If they're right. like, oh, we're going to change long-term storage fees. So if the card's been sitting in there for 24 months, now it's going to be two cents a card. Oh, guess what? You're going to either pay the two cents or, oh, guess what? You're going to pull the card off the side and it might reduce some of the inventory, some of the strain uh, that way on Check Out My Cards' uh, warehouse space. So they're going to be able to actually reduce cost. There's ways they can push and pull on the business. They could, God knows, they can do all kinds of promotions on both ends. If they need submissions, they could, you know, make it free to send cards in or five cents to send cards in. If they need cards to go out the door, which they, they often do, they run a sale promotion. They run free shipping. They, you know, buy 100 cards, get $5 off. There's lots of ways they can push and pull, whereas Tops, it's like, what can they do to really push and pull on their business? What can Panini do? Nothing. Hope and pray, baby. Hope and pray. Hope and pray <laughs> the leagues don't go oh. on strike. 
Yeah. Hope well, and that's pray not... they hope and hope and pray another company doesn't come along, right? And pays up or goes gets a bank loan. Or what well, if they're... the leagues decide not to go exclusive and they're like, hey, yeah, we're gonna let Tops do it, we're gonna let Leaf do it, we're gonna let Upper Deck in, we're gonna let all these companies in. What would that do to Panini all of a sudden or any of these companies? It would totally screw them. Whereas you can bet eBay's not going to lower fees. So that's good for checking my cards. There's not going to be another site, especially God knows the idiots around in this hobby are so dumb that, you know, they think, you know, most of the guys in this hobby think a great business model is box breaking. Oh, sit around on a camera and, and open boxes or, oh, order 50 cases on your credit card and open them all up and then try to unload them as fast as you can before you have to pay your bills. We know there's a guy that does that. <laughs> oh, do a consignment business. Be PWCC and have to work your fucking ass off, too. You think PWCC can pack up and go to the National and kick it or go to Vegas and kick it or go down to San Diego and kick it? Hell no. He's working seven days a week, eight hours a day, minimum. I mean, not that Tim is, you know, probably hitting the beach a whole lot himself, but, uh, you know, we all, we, all have, we all have to do our work. But as a third-party seller, you know, God, eBay's a pain in my ass. You know what I mean? I have, like, three things listed on eBay because I get a lot of I get enough of it to where it's like ah it makes sense to list it on eBay and then if somebody orders it I can fulfill it through Amazon. I'm getting goddamn I get people asking me questions and oh can you reduce the price and redu- do this can you do this do you have it in this color is it when is it shipped out blah 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 blah. It is a pain in my ass. Whereas on check on my cards it's exactly like Amazon. I send the stuff in I put a price on it and I call it a day. And that's it. And if I don't log in my account for a week, I don't get suspended or banned or kicked down to a lower tier of a seller. I mean, it's ridiculous. Why don't we run down uh, some of the things that I learned from Tim, and I'll I'll get your reaction to these. Uh, It looks like he wants to make it so that you can sell these high-end cards on Check of My Cards so that the fees are comparable with eBay, so that you feel like if you have a $100 card, you, you feel like you can send it to Check of My Cards and get the same amount as, or similar amount as you would on eBay. But he's really going to change – he's probably going to change fees starting January 1 because he wants the accounting to kind of be clean. He doesn't want to, like, change fees midway through, ideally. Now, all this stuff is really day-to-day. He's been – tweaking models and running algorithms and doing all kinds of different stuff to get these fees right. So one day he might be fully decided that he's going to, you know, have some fee structure. And then the next day he might think of a better idea or somebody else will think of a better idea. So, um, things are in flux, but if I had to bet some money, I would bet January 1, 2018, you're going to see fees change how they're structured. I don't really know. I just know that he's trying to get it to, so that if you're selling, kind of mid to higher end cards, you're not getting, you know, hit with a 20% hit on eBay if it sells on eBay and then another 20% cash out. He just, you know, that's not going to work. So it's got to be a lower fee so that you can feel like you can sell your card on, uh, check out my cards. But let me hit you with these three features and see what you think of them. He's going to start a, or they're going to have a responsive uh, mobile site um, first that'll uh, desktop and then to mobile 
um, responsive site. Same template for both. It'll just kind of stack each other on top of it. He's going to have Facebook and Twitter logins, and he's going to have some grading options. Uh, basically, PSA uh, is going to come aboard, and because right now you can only go through Beckett to grade card, but uh, probably before the end of the year, probably even before Black Friday. Even it, it, it could have been before the national, but I, I guess some things happened, and maybe PSA just wanted to hold off. But uh, pretty soon you're going to be able to submit yes. uh, to PSA. So what do you think about that? Uh, the PSA one I love because, as I've discussed on this show, I, I got nothing against Beckett grading, but I'm not a bit. I'm, I'm not a. I mean, I have plenty of modern cards in my portfolio, but I'm not really. I don't really give a crap about then grading it and and getting a couple nickels more. Where. Where I, I see the value in grading is the old vintage cards because condition really, I mean, we've seen, you know, a, a lot of the modern cards, unless the companies really screw up, they're, they're going to come back mint, okay? You know what I mean? But, they're, you know, uh, the, the difference between a 6 and a 7 and an 8 is exponential on the vintage cards, and not only that, you're, you don't necessarily just have to be grading. With, you know, with modern cards, you're, you're grading Brandon Ingram. You're not grading Marquise Chris or whatever. You know what I mean? So I have plenty of cards in my portfolio that I bought for very little. And then I can pay basically for free. I mean, I'm getting the cards for $0.25, $0.50. Cents. I mean, that's almost free. And so if I can grade it with PSA, a vintage cards with PSA, and it comes back 6 7 or 8 I could be exponentially um, boosting that card's value. And I think just more options. uh, It just works great for, uh, uh, you know, check out my card's customers. I think it'll it'll work out really well uh, for PSA as well. I think they'll find that it's... uh, it's far more efficient for them to get the cards all from one company and be able to send them all back to one company instead of 15,000 different customers. So I love that. I've got lots of graded cards where I'm like, I reprice them and yeah, I sell them and I make money. But I think it'd be fun to send send them into PSA and see if I can't. Or, or And you could also go hunting a little bit on Check Out My Cards because they have the the scans you can zoom in and, and flip the card over and whatever, you know, you're not necessarily maybe buying the lowest price one. You're buying the one uh, that looks in the nicest condition that you can now uh, maybe flip over on, on PSA. You can obviously do that with modern cards, but again, I'm not really, you know, modern cards are supposed to be mint. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't, for me, you know, I don't get a big thrill about sending a card in and it either comes back gem mint or pristine or mint you know you really have only three options whereas this vintage card stuff uh is a more wider range so i like that what were the other two? Oh, responsive template well first of all the site was set up before uh, i believe the iphone was even really uh invented and so as you know we found out and a lot of people you know that set up websites in that era you didn't care about that you didn't think about that and so i i think that'll help uh, certainly, I think it'll help if you have cards on the side. It's going to help them move. If you're uh, around their brow, I don't particularly bring up the side. I use my tablet a lot. Um, I don't particularly have any reason to to be on my phone and be checking my my card prices or or you know th- anything like that. But certainly will help uh, it move into move into kind of the the you know twenty first century or whatever we're in here with mobile devices. So I think that'll definitely help. What was the second one? 
He's going to have uh, Facebook and Twitter login oh, yeah, capability. Yeah, I think that might just help um, anybody that that you know the ca- I think that'll help really the casual guy that is maybe does a Google search or is trying to find a very specific card. And they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to get my email address and go through all this and, and log into the site and and buy this card that I kind of don't even need. You know, maybe with Facebook and a Twitter login, you get that casual guy that is coming in and just buying one or two cards every once in a while. I think that'll help. Um, you know, I did forget uh, I had an account and I got locked out of it for a long time. So I had to like call in and get it reset and all that. So um, I could see the advantages there Um, and any incremental changes they make definitely uh, is going to help anybody with cards on the site and looking to sell them. I think uh, those things will definitely help move the site forward and keep, keep moving on. Like you said, it's kind of a, um, you know, I think it has been around uh, 10 years or longer, but it's still a fluid situation over there. It's still almost like a startup atmosphere. There's still, uh, and, and again, that, that from an investor perspective, I look at it and it's like, wow, this 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 company is still at the top of the mountain skiing down virgin snow, whereas Tops is at the bottom of the mountain and trying to climb up again. Panini too. You know, these are companies that have tapped almost every last opportunity they possibly can with jersey cards, serial number cards, high-end sets, low-end sets, this, that, and the tops now, Panini Instant, et cetera, there's not a whole lot else they can do, you know, to innovate on top of what they've already done. These are mature businesses, whereas e-commerce is literally, you know, what? Not even 15 years old. E-commerce, the whole e-commerce industry is not even like 15, 20 years old, whereas the baseball card industry is like what a hundred years old or something you know, not a hundred years old but it, it's pretty old it's yeah, pretty mature at least from the 50s yeah it's a per, it's a mature business model and again i don't expect a lot of the listeners i certainly my twitter stream is like 90 i have some like pretty cool i have like some pretty cool followers that get it and that are very intelligent and far more successful than i am and i always like reading their what their opinions and and, and seeing what they're up to but God, I've got a lot of followers that have got their heads so far up their ass, and it's it's incredible. Like I, you know, I I understand why. I always see the stats. You know, they I watch CNBC enough that I always see the stats. Like the average person has like two hundred dollars in savings. You know, or like the and literally and and like half of America doesn't have a bank account. That's the stat that always surprises a lot of people. But yeah, drive through the ghetto and you don't even see a bank. So no wonder nobody has a bank account and none of them trust them anyways. But, and you know, my Twitter stream really represents that. I'd imagine 90% of my, 95% of the people that follow me on Twitter have never invested their money, have no clue how to invest, have no idea what a good investment is. Primarily because they don't have any money. Guys that follow me on Twitter think, oh, Aaron Judge cards are a good investment. Or, oh, you know, Mickey Mantle cards, Mickey Mantle cards might be a good investment, but, uh, you know, they think the next hot thing is a good investment. They think PWCC cards on eBay 
is uh, an investable company or a great company. They think Tops is worth all this money and this this big gigantic company. No, it's gone from a three hundred million dollar company with no debt and eighty four million dollars in cash to uh, Brian Gray. I think put his foot in the mouth. I think he even deleted one of the tweets he sent me. He put put his foot in his mouth by saying, "Oh yeah, in the next twelve to twenty four months, Tops is going to sell between sixty and hundred million. Well, knock knock knock, Brian Gray. Tops has $160 million in debt. If they sell for $100 million, it's like buying a house for $300,000 and selling it 10 years later for $200,000. You lost money. It's a terrible business. And it's because they have to deal with savvy investors, savvy businessmen and women who own these teams. Again, Jerry Jones is not in the business to make Panini rich. He's in the business to suck them dry, and that's exactly what they've been doing. Brilliantly, in fact. These, these exclusives are absolutely brilliant because it, it, it causes these companies to basically go, go broke. Go right. broke, or the next guy's going to come up and get, get the, you know, if they don't go broke, the next company's going to come and outbid them. So they have to overbid, overpromise, overguarantee, and make no money and start cutting corners, start letting auto pen autographs and be like, oh yeah, we guarantee this auto pen autograph is guaranteed. I mean, it's the dumbest thing. Couple more points with uh, check out my cards. It looks like because I I I, told, I asked him, I was like, why don't you just grade cards? All the cards are already there. I mean, he could he could literally become number three for sure overnight and, and at some point potentially overtake PSA and BGS. But he doesn't really want to do that. He sees that also as like a conflict of interest that he would, you know, they would not only accept the cards and then grade the cards and then sell the cards and get a commission off that. So he just doesn't want to play in that space. He wants to work with PSA or BGS and BGS. And he sees at some point, you know, there'll be a PSA rep on site. There'll be a BGS grader on site or several of them so Ooh, that, like that, you know, those processing times are just down. There's somebody there working, you know. And so, boom, you know, when you click something that gets graded, maybe it's looked at in a very short period of time. So that's, like a, that. That, you know, kind of long-term view there. Um, speaking of Beckett, you know, there was a lawsuit that Beckett hit Check Out My Cards with a couple years ago about data and scraping, and they had kind of a deal anyway, so it was kind of a very frivolous lawsuit. And Tim, you know, believes that that was just kind of a ploy by Beckett to to get Check Out My Cards to the bargaining table because Beckett was very interested in purchasing Check Out My Cards, and maybe still is. And and Tim, uh, you know, he definitely is not going to sell the company, um, and but he did throw out a number to Beckett, and I asked him because we, you know, me and you had kicked around, you know, what's check on my cards really worth, and here we are talking about kind of it as an investment and so forth. So I said, you know, was it over ten million? He was like, oh yeah, and I was like, was it over twenty million? And he was like, oh yeah. So he he said. Uh, this is my words, but he, he kind of gave them like a fuck you number basically to, you know, hey, if you want to buy it, here's how much you're going to pay. And, you know, Beckett's, you know, in the, in the grading of business and they make a lot of money, but they probably don't make that much money. So well north of $20 million. And I even asked him, I said, well, what if Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, threw you $50 million bucks and let you still run it? Like, don't just throw you 50 and then see you out the door. But what if he, you know, he made you CEO and he paid you, you know, seven fifty a year and gave you a Tesla and, you know, paid for your cell phone and paid for your whole life? 
um, you know, would you do that? Would you entertain that? And he says, no, not really, because, you know, maybe he sells for $50 million, And then two years later, Jeff is like, well, you know, we're going to go this direction. And then he's gone. And now Tim is a pretty young guy. He's probably like in his 40s. You know, what is he going to do? This is his baby. This is his life. This is something he's dedicated to. And everybody in the hobby should just be, you know, kissing the ground that there's somebody doing this. Because if there wasn't, we'd still be dealing with, you know, eBay and, and all and these uh, auction houses and consigners uh, and so forth. So it's really kind of pushing cards into that next level. And, um, you know, what do you think of that? you know, north of $20 million valuation on uh, Check Out My Cards. Oh, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, certainly, uh, the, I've seen enough e-commerce deals. I've seen Bonobos, like some clothing, Walmart just bought them for uh, God knows how much money. They don't even, ma- they didn't even make money. Uh, and they had like a bunch of venture debt already. Uh, e-commerce, I mean, there's a reason why Amazon trades at 200 times its earnings. It's because it's a business model that is only been around for about 15 years. It's complete virgin snow. It's only, I think e-commerce is still only about 12% or uh, the number I see thrown around there. E-commerce is still only about 12% of all commerce. So, so think about that. Like, you know, like how, how much bigger it's going to continue to get. People are going to continue to buy more and more stuff online. And, and again, I know we're talking about check out my cards. It's, it only sells cards, but their model could transition into anything, books, pencils, you know, like there's a, like imagine like eBay would love, I mean, I, I think they bought GSI commerce, but they didn't really do anything with it. And they really should have, eBay was really ahead of the game in terms of fulfill, like third-party fulfillment, but they never turned that over to the, their third-party sellers like Amazon has done with FBA. And, you know, Check Out My Card's model is like, it, it just translates really well into the hot, basically the hottest segment of e-commerce. And so for me as an investor, I'm biased. Yes, I have Amazon stock. Yes, it's my number one performing stock this year. So, yeah, maybe a little biased and maybe a little pumped up about it. But um, e-commerce is still in its infancy. Um, and it's, it's a business model that is still evolving and still evolving very quickly. And quite frankly, there's very few companies that are doing it like check on my cards. Because think about the coin business. There's nothing like that serving the coin business. I'm, uh, you know, I'm on some of these shoe websites and they, they don't work like that. You actually send your shoes into them. They kind of verify it and then they send them, they essentially send them out to the customer after that to kind of protect against selling fake Nikes and stuff. So, but there's not a shoe website where I can box up my Jordans, send them in and have them hold them. And I can put a price on them and I can flip them. You know what I mean? I've got to have those Jordans sitting in my house or sitting somewhere. So it's a model that really, for me, really translates well and kind of, um, you know, whatever Tim wants. I mean, Tim has trained his employees to pick, pack, and ship. He's trained them to pick, pack, and ship baseball cards, but he could certainly train them to pick, pack, and ship anything he wants. 
Um, obviously, expanding in those other mar uh, markets would require some marketing dollars, some marketing spend, some time to, to build up the market just like they have with baseball cards. But, uh, you know, again, I don't expect the average listener or the average collector who's sitting there fondling his cards all day to really care about this stuff. But this is all I care about. When I wake up in the morning, I turn on CNBC, and at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock when it's over, I'll flip, during the NBA season, I'll flip over to the NBA. You know, this is all I care about. I wake up in the morning, I check my stocks. I occasionally get paid and write articles and have even big. I mean, the guys in the card business are dumb, but even dumber people are stocks. Everybody thinks people that invest in stocks are smart. Some of these guys are so dumb. They think Fitbit's a good investment. They think GoPro's a good investment. They think all these fucking dumbass companies are good investments when the good investments are staring you in the face. And again, I don't expect a lot of people out there to recognize it. I've made the, I know the statement that got Leaf Brian Gray all up in arms is I said, hey, check on my cards, either now or definitely in the future, 110%, is going to be worth more than all the card companies combined. And that is because the other car, the card, the only card company that I see that, that is maybe investable is Tops because they do have, uh, they do have a, a legitimate brand that has been around a while. They have the one license worth paying for. Panini is nothing. Panini has been trying to sell itself off and, 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 you know, get a new group of investors in there for years. The only way Panini has survived is through bank loan and after bank loan after bank loan. One day that's going to run out. One day that's going to dry up or one day it's not going to make sense to borrow money at 12% or 13%. They don't spit off a lot of free cash. They've got idiots running the company. They, they have a VIP party, and they think paper plates and paper napkins is awesome. They get th oh, wow. thousands and thousands and thousands of Dak Prescott autographs. Then they get, I don't know how many Prism autographs they must have gotten at once. We'll call it a 1,000 of them. They all look exactly the same, and they send them out to the customer with a guarantee on the back. I mean, how stupid, how stupid are they? I mean, absolutely retarded. So and I, I posed the question to uh, Tim that, well, you know, would he ever accept investment money from the users? Like, could I trade in my store credit? I probably got about $700 in there right now. Could I just turn that over and it, it would turn it into some kind of shares of the company? And he, and he, he seemed very receptive. I mean, he, you know, he mentioned that that's kind of how the way things are, are trending and crowdsourcing. So if he ever needed funding for oh, an man. app or to grow the site, uh, you know, and that, that's why I told him, I was like, dude, if you do that, it'll just, I'll just, just shovel money. I mean, it'll just be an instant uh, gravy train right to him. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty exciting. And, you know, to, to, to further, you know, how stupid, you know, somebody like Panini and Tops are, I asked him if they had contacted him about an Upper Deck EPAC copy. And he's certainly open to it. Tim is ready to stop all operations on everything else to get an EPAC thing going with Topster Panini. So it shows me how successful the one if, uh, with Upper Deck has gone. If he's eager, he would literally like drop everything he's got going right now to work with Topster Panini or Leaf or whoever, any of the, any of the smaller, big manufacturers, he's willing to do it and he's excited and, and pumped and ready to go, but they've not contacted him. 
And uh, meanwhile, we look at the apps that Tops and Panini have, and you know they're in decline. So, what do you think about Tops and Panini not contacting, checking my cards about this EPAC, uh, you know, EPAC idea? Which I know firsthand. I've logged in 18 straight months uh, uh, to EPAC dang, dang near every day to get my free pack of hockey cards and to trade some cards. So, well, it's what not do you think just about Tops and Panini. For me, it's not just Tops and Panini, it's all the dumbass group breakers out there too. I mean, god, you only make money the same way with Tops and Panini. How do they all make money? By people buying the stuff and opening it up. Okay, group breakers especially, you know, they make money by people opening it up. Tops, I guess, could make money, you could buy the box and not open it. But that's how they make money. Guess what? It's a hell of a lot faster to click two buttons and open this stuff up than have to drive to the store and get it or order it on eBay or go to a card shop or go to Target and Walmart. Same with a group breaker. God, wouldn't it be a whole lot more efficient way to make money is if all you had to do was open the cards up, put them in a box and call it a day? No, you've got to sell the product, open it up, uh, you know, make sure all of its own order, uh, sort it all out, package it all up, get it all to the post office. All that stuff sounds like a pain in my ass. Same with Panini and Tops. I mean, couldn't you just put this stuff in a, in, in, they could get this stuff sent straight from their, their little printing presses or whatever, their little third-party printing press. They could just have them do all the work, send it in and check out my cards and call it a day. Uh, for me, it's a lack. Of, there's a lack of leadership at both those companies. I think Tops has a little. I think they actually hired a CEO. I think for a while there, they didn't have a CEO, and that was when they were having a lot of problems. And I even called that out on the show. I was like, they don't have a CEO. That's a problem. Okay, I don't know any well-run company that doesn't have a CEO full time working. If you don't have leadership at a company, you have nothing. You have zero. Oh, people always are asking me, hey, what's a good stock? What's a, how do you find them? You don't search for good stocks. You search for leadership. All the companies I invest in, from Amazon to Starbucks to Nike to Google to Facebook to Tesla, you can name the person who is leading the company by first and last name. You know who they are. You know what they're about. You probably even follow them on Twitter or on Facebook. You know who these people are. If they walk through an airport, you would know who they are. Who is the CEO of Panini? Who's the CEO of Tops? Who are they? Are they approachable? Are they out there? No. God, we hear from uh, Elon, Mu Elon Musk is more transparent and you know more about him and his daily life than you do about some tiny little baseball card company. So no wonder they don't even have the, the, the wherewithal or the foresight to say, hey, God, wouldn't it be easy if we uh, let people open packs uh, by clicking a button? There's no leadership at either of those companies. And what leadership is there, especially at Panini, is absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I, I mean, you can go to Glassdoor and read, this is not my, my opinion. You can go read what employees say about the management and the management style and the company culture at Panini. It is terrible. It's god-awful. 
So no wonder they don't call. They don't call uh, Tim. They're so dumb. And not only that, there's not a lot of free cash flow to explore different ideas at those companies as well. As we know, these companies are getting bled to death by some of the smartest and most savvy business people in America. Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, et cetera, et cetera, didn't get rich throwing people bones and allowing them to make a bunch of money off their back. That's exactly how you go broke, in fact. So not surprising at all. Not surprising at all. But uh, and in my opinion, there's probably employees, there's probably people sitting at tops that probably listen to this show, that have probably heard this idea, probably think it's a good idea, but there's no chain of command. There's no leadership at these companies. There's not a lot of free time. There's not a lot of free cash flow to explore and expand other ideas. Oh, but instead, they expand into tops now, which is a retarded idea. How much money do they make like per day on tops now? Like three thousand bucks. I mean, like they sell three hundred cards for five hundred five dollars a piece. I mean, what is that? Fifteen hundred dollars. I probably I probably have more sales on Amazon today than they sold tops now cards. But what happens when the off season hits? What happens when you know you put out a card that nobody really gives a damn and only hundred people buy it? God, you had to go through a whole lot of work to make two hundred bucks. No wonder these companies are now not worth anything. No wonder Tops used to be a $300 million company, and now in, uh, Brian Gray of Leaf says they're worth maybe 60 to 100. It's pathetic. I, I like what you say about you know the only way these guys are making money is opening opening the cards. Everything else is tedious, time-consuming, and wasting a whole bunch of money is going out. And, you know, I asked Tim about this, you know, why doesn't why doesn't he get in the group-breaking business? And it's kind of the same thing as the grading business. He doesn't want to compete with group-breakers. He wants to help him. And let me, this is an idea. This was an idea I floated with Tim, but let me, what do you think about this in, in kind of an EPAC concept? Couldn't, couldn't these group-breakers, they're essentially just announcers, like, they shouldn't be opening the cards. The cards should be opening themselves like you're watching a game, but you have an announcer over the top announcing the the, the packs coming out. Yeah, I mean, that's what these guys, they're, they're kind group, of announcer, they're, announcers, they're, right? They're organizing the uh, the community that's there breaking as well. So they're, they're, they're collecting the 20 or 30 people that are involved in the break. And the, they're, they're wearing too many hats. This is why I think you said the group break, group break pavilion has shrunk. I don't see any of these guys tweeting pictures of their Mercedes or them on, you know, suites in Las Vegas or, you know, these guys have not, you know, I think some of them are, are making a living, uh, making a little bit of money here and there. But we don't see them really stepping up their lives. Not that you got to be, you know, tweeting your Rolex or anything like that. But uh, certainly when I get one, I'll be tweeting about it. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't see any of these guys really stepping up their lifestyle. It's because they're wearing too many hats. They're the, they're the, they're, they're the one probably calling their distributor and ordering the stuff. They're unboxing it. They're listing it on their website. They're mar- tweeting about it, sending it to their email list, Facebooking it. Then they're setting it. Then they're organizing their little list of all who has what. They're doing a, they're a lot of customer service. I guarantee you there's, 
their a, a huge percentage of their time is customer service. Like, oh, we got you know. Then they're randoming off if it's a, a Twins guy and a in, you know a Giants guy on the same card. They're having to do a runoff there and keep that organized. They're uh, you know so, you know some of them have paid guys to like sort the cards and probably package them up and shipping it. But you know there's still way too many. You're doing too many things. Way too many things. And so, um, you know, the, the more you can divvy that stuff up, the more, you know, the more, the more you're going to be able to scale your business up. I, don't, I, I know for a fact most of the people, I don't want to de- degrade our listeners, but I know a lot of my followers on Twitter don't get s- scaling a business up. They would rather sell $3,000 on eBay at a 20% margin, then have the ability to sell on Amazon and grow your business every month at a 10% margin. They don't get that. They don't get that sacrificing some margin, but to start reaching larger and larger scale, aka sales, they don't get that. They'd rather sit there and grind it out on eBay. This is why guys, you know, we had the couple idiots tweet me, oh, yeah, I'm not, instead of sending in my 80,000 cards and paying a nickel extra, I'm going to sit here in my mom's basement and scan, pack, and ship them all on eBay and answer 4,000 questions about them and wear myself out and basically give myself a full-time job. These guys don't get it. That, you know, and this is why most, again, most people have $200 less in savings or don't even have a bank account. Financial literacy is, you know, not everybody's forte. I get it. But too many hats. Tops. Way too many hats. Way, way too many hats. And I can, com- I can, I can kind of confirm that from just talking to these guys. It's so hard for them to scale up because you kind of hit a wall. And, yes, maybe a group of three or four people can make a little bit of money because you're one of only, you know, 20 big guys doing it. And obviously, I'm at this show where there's a lot of interest and, and there are people buying cards and so forth. But it's hard to scale up really big in this industry. And guys, we you could go back to the uh, was it the it was the first time this show was here. We had the same conversation about scale way back then. And and. and and we've seen check out my cards go from one distribution to three distributions because we knew that business could scale. We knew what he had going could be really, really big. Group breaking is never going to be group breaking as a whole may become big, but you yourself as a breaker will never become big. You are going to hit a wall. You're never going to be able to break 24 hours, 365 days a year, uh, seven days a week. It's just not going to be able to happen i'm talking to these guys and all they're talking about is the challenges that they're having just to continue to scale the business and get it bigger it seems like you kind of hit a wall maybe like you said you can have some success but another thing i want to point out i'm walking around this show and there's all these people and thousands of dollars being spent every which way you look but like you said there's not teslas and bins and i don't hear about balling dealers and 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 dusting off money at the strip club and i'm you know staying at you know downtown in a in 250 a dollar a night place you know there's not a whole lot of people like throwing their money around it unless it's to buy the next card that they're going to have to flip for for a small margin 
it's hard to get really big in this industry. We've only seen a few people do it. You look at Beckett and PSA. You look at Check Out My Cards. Obviously, the card companies have some kind of baked in kind of uh, things there. They're the they're basically buying their way in with the license, you know, with Jerry, you know, they basically have to suck off Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban to basically play in the sports card space. But, but to kind of homegrown scaled business, what PSA Beckett check on my cards, really big, big, big businesses, hundred plus employees potentially or more looking to people to hire. I'm sure PSA is looking to hire. We know Beckett's looking to hire. I know check out my cards is looking to hire people in, in all types of different skill levels and fields and so forth. So it's hard to scale, you know, a big, big, big business. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why we started doing websites because you can scale a website really big. There's no cap on how many people can come to your site and click on your links and click on your ads and buy shit on eBay and you get a commission off that. Or There's no cap on what somebody would pay you to get a link on a page. There's no real cap on that. So, you know, a website is, is a great business because you can scale it really big. Um, you know, you could hire somebody to work on it full time. You could just have really great content that is just hit on over and over and over again. Uh, but these, these businesses where you're just constantly grinding and you're seeing that all the time with these guys who are selling modern cards, whether they're selling singles or selling boxes, they're selling group break spots. It's a constant hustle. You're just, you know, grinding, 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 keeping up with the next product, keeping up with the next thing. And, um, and you know, if you turn again, the light co- switch off, I mean, I think really the, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Tops and, and Panini and, and check out my cards even, you know, they can't really turn off the light switch and money still c- comes in. So I get it. At some point you reach a certain scale and, and you know, we're not saying you got to sit around and, and, you know, drive your bends and kick it on the beach all day. But if you have, there is no hope for you to get there. I mean, there is no hope. For the average group breaker or the average rip and flipper or the average guy trying to sell on eBay, there's no hope for you. There, there's no hope for you. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to get a nice car. I'm going to get a nice house. I'm going to live a nice lifestyle. It's there's no hope for you to even really do anything other than maybe cover your bills and live month to month. And week to week, you're certainly not going to have Amazon stock sitting in your portfolio or Tesla stock sitting in your portfolio because you're not going to have that extra money. The money's just not going to be there. Like you said, you're, you're constantly trying to get your neck flip. If the group breaker's not, ma- not, not, uh, not opening packs, he's not making money. They could have transitioned into content. They could have transitioned into uh, data. They could have da- transferred into software. God, how much software could a group breaker, you know, I've even like like thought I've thought I've not come even close to, to exploring the business model any further than just my own thoughts. But I'm like, God, some custom software. I see these guys using Excel and all this stuff. It's like, man, they need like basically some customer, like, like almost like a salesforce.com, like some kind of custom customer management system. That's what they need. That keeps track of all your customers, what team they have. So it's just click, 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 click. And it, it spits it all out for you, and it does a lot of the work for you. These guys even ha- haven't even graduated <laughs> into that. I think that would be a great business model where you develop that software. You spend maybe, what, a couple grand, get some Russians or some guys from India or the Philippines to set it all up. And then you charge the four or five group breakers that exist $250, $300 a month, and you service their account a little bit, and you call it a day. 
Exactly. I mean, the, these are these are type of ideas that these guys, you know, they're just chasing the next. How many cases can they get on their national treasures allotment? I mean, it's it's it, it's going to be a challenge for these guys unless somebody can crack the code here. It's going to be a challenge for these guys, and what eventually is going to happen is the group breaking process is going to get automated. Like Upper Deck EPAC could just automate group breaks, and I could just buy into group break spots on Upper Deck EPAC, and it could automate the whole process. I could watch a video of it being watched live without anybody doing it and then check out my cards send me the cards and i'm done upper deck gets some money check out my cards gets some money and you guys get nothing so you know all the companies could set this up and and you guys could be out of business that's why i'm saying kind of branch out into other ideas just be the announcer like i would rather just be an announcer and upper epac opens the cards check out my card ships them i announce it i'm just bob costas i'm just marv albert i'm just crook and kipe for the giants that's what that's my living is announcing these card breaks. Sounds to me like that's you know, maybe you're still organizing the customers and you're getting a spot of the, you're getting a you know a piece of the action, but seems like uh, you know again these guys are having problem with scale. A couple of things with uh, check on my cards, and then why don't we jump into Amazon here? Uh, they're going to add an e-bucks feature potentially. Uh, once he changes the fees and kind of get everything rolling, uh, kind of an eBay bucks reward reward feature. I know that's a popular feature on on eBay. And then also uh, something I've been talking about with him for a couple of years is eventually get transfer into an affiliate style program so that you know the same way we got rich off eBay Partner Network, you can potentially get rich off promoting check on my cards and like one of the reasons why me and you are the only people that talk about this website and promote this website because you know if if you aren't waving a box or throwing you know five bucks in front of these fucking people's faces they won't talk about you they won't promote you they won't see the potential that we've seen in check on my cards for years upon years and upon years when this was a smaller company and had one distribution center and had a few people working for him this thing has grown to three distribution centers over 100 employees and he's looking for more space he's looking for four full-time developers so well you know if i were to give one you know and i think check on my cards is aware of this but if i were to give him a piece of advice it would be take care of the people that buy the cards there's always going to be a jabroni looking to sell his cards, his or her cards. They're, those jabronis are out there and everywhere at this point. And at this point, we know the Check On My Cards warehouses are full with cards. Okay. Just like Amazon, Amazon cares about two things, their customer and the share price. And that's it. Guaranteed. Those are the only two things Amazon cares about. As you know, selling on Amazon, uh, they could give two craps about the third-party seller because if you decide to not sell on Amazon or, like, I mean, I had so many guys be like, oh, the fees or this, that, and the other. Well, hey, th- there's a, some other seller that's going to come up right behind you and and uh, sell his his or her wares on Amazon. And just like on Check on My Cards, as long as there's customers there looking to buy cards, there'll be jabronis looking to sell their cards. So eBay bucks feature, anything they can do. All I know is I was looking at my stats this month for check on my cards. Every single one of my accounts, I'm either at or above where I'm at every month outside of sale. You know, when you run a promotion, you tend to, you know, sell way more cards than normal, but I don't, I don't run a promotion more than, you know, once or twice a year. I'm at or above 
every single month I've ever had on check on my cards. And they raise, oh, they raise fees. But what they, who they didn't raise fees on is the average guy or girl that's coming to check out my cards and buying their Minnesota Twins cards or buying the Jose Canseco card that they want or buying whatever cards they want and having shipped to themselves. Those are the most important people. And whatever they can do, whatever, um, whatever they can do to, to give them more value, make them feel more, more secure on the site, make them buy more, the, the healthier it's going to be and the better it's going to be for any kind of seller that's involved on the site. And uh, that goes for check out my cards, goes for Amazon, goes for eBay. Who cares about the third-party seller? There, again, there's going to be some guy or girl that's going to pick up the slack there if you know the guy doesn't want to send in his 80,000 cards. Screw that guy. It's really the customer that was looking to buy 80,000 cards. That's the guy I really care about, and that's the person they should focus on in any kind of feature. You know, the responsive template, the, uh, the eBay Bucks feature, that's definitely going to help them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So some good things going on and checking my cards. I actually met some some employees that I never met before and just really good people, nice guys. Um you know, really speak highly of working there and, and enjoy it and um you know, uh very knowledgeable about cards as well. Extremely knowledgeable about cards. So and and they're on the site as well. Um sending cards in. They were at the at the show buying some cards and and, and so forth. So uh, they've got a good group over there, and I, I, I see it continuing. Tim's an incredibly sharp person, um, very well-rounded, and um, you know, hopefully, he can find some more people. Uh, you know, not only to work in his distribution centers, but he needs developers and maybe potentially, you know, some people from PSA and BGS to work for him, or a group breaker to go up there and, and group break up there. So, lots of big things happening there. Um, he hinted at some things that were going to happen with EPAC to any EPAC fans out there. I didn't get a chance to talk with anybody at upper deck before we did this. They, they didn't have a whole lot of people out here. I didn't see Jason. I didn't see uh, the, the CEO. I didn't see, uh, Chris, um, who, who I, I normally talk to every year. Last year I had about a 30 minute conversation with Jason, the president and CEO as well about EPAC. I haven't seen any of those guys out yet this year, um, at all, or I would have talked to them, but Tim did hint, that there are some features coming to EPAC that are going to be totally different than what you can do now, buy, sell, trade. You can trade up like full cards and do that. He said he, he said something totally, totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing with EPAC is they sold some coins that was kind of a dry run for Tim at checking my cards to sell these coins. And, you know, they had to scan, ship, and, and uh, you know, store these these coins. It was a good dry run there, Tim said, and uh, just huge things happening over at uh, Check Out My Cards. We're about an hour and a half in here. Why don't we? Why don't we talk about Amazon? Why don't I just throw out my stats real quick? I know you've been way more heavy into it than I have this month. I've only sent a, a few boxes in, but uh, let's see. Even today, I sold four things. Or no, it looks like a little more. It looks like six orders. Let's go through those. What I sold today, I sold two Chris Bryant oil figures. Uh, Cryptozoic uh, apron, another apron, a Donruss basketball box, uh, some kind of conquest card game, and uh, another Topps baseball box. So for my month, uh, definitely not my best uh, 30 days, but I've sold 189 units for 2800 bucks. 
So, nice. I mean, I, I haven't done nothing. I sent a couple boxes in. I haven't ordered anything. I haven't bought a new product in probably over a month. So it's just, that's just going to be straight cash coming into me. Haven't had any returns in a while, so that's good. And uh, so, yeah, last 15 days, about 77 units, 1100 bucks. 30 days, 189 units, about 2800 bucks. So as soon as I get home, I'll be able to kind of reorder, regroup, and send some more stuff and hopefully crank up, um, you know, my sales a little bit. I took your advice, went to Home Depot, bought some light bulbs, and I was there buying some other things anyways. So might as well just hit the clearance aisle. Right. And sure enough, about three light bulbs sold the other day, and I sold another. So I sold about four of the – I only bought like maybe like 15 things. So four of them are already gone. So I anticipate, you know, moving the rest. So what, uh, what's been your experience? I know you're just like crushing it right oh now. What, what's you're doing? I on mean, Amazon? I'm only like 30 or 40. I'm about 40 days in probably. I, as we've sat here, I've had six things ship. So think about that. I've had six things get picked, packed and ship. I've had about four sales since we hit, including a $58 backpack that I bought for 15 So that was some nice profit. Today alone, I've sold 17 units for $366 in sales. That's been about average over the last uh, couple days for me. Last seven days, I'm at $1,400 in sales. Last 30 days, I'm at 4500 232 units. Uh, I should be able to do, uh, I should be able to double that over my next 30 days. So think about that. I did $4,000 in sales. I really should be able to do close to $8,000, eight to $10,000 over the next, really in August. I'm planning, I'm, my goal would be, will be about $10,000. I'm trying to scale this up to where I'm doing maybe closer to $20,000 a month. That'll get, my, get me to my goal of doing $100,000 in sales for the rest of this year. Um, I am absolutely crushing it on backpacks right now. Uh, obviously, it's like back to school time. And uh, out here in California, there's all kinds of Rosses and, and TJ Maxxes and these kind of stores. I can hit like five of them up in an hour. And uh, they're selling backpacks super cheap. I'm putting them in a box, sending them in the Amazon, putting a price on them, and they're selling faster than I can get them to the site. I literally have Amazon saying, you have low inventory. You need to send these backpacks in. Uh, so I've been... You know, I've been working, I don't want to say really hard on this, but because the money's there, and I actually have a, a software program that's keeping track of all my profits, so I'll give you an idea. People will wonder, hey, how, are you really making money? For the last seven days, this is from July 23rd to J July 29th. Now, this includes, this doesn't include every sale because the way this software program works is if the unit's pending, which basically means it's been ordered and Amazon is waiting to get paid and then ship the item out. I don't get credit for that profit until it gets shipped. So keep in mind, I have over the last seven days, I had 67 units sold and 18 units are pending. And some of these are high dollar backpacks that I'm making $20, $30 a pop on. I've had $388 in profit, and that's at a 20, 28% margin. So I'm running at north of a 20% margin. Let me s scoot this back to 30 days. Not quite as impressive because I have a lot of this. Keep track of all my expenses. So we're talking legal Zoom. I paid $500 to the state of Nevada to set up my LLC. I bought a label maker for $100. bucks. i have sent in tons of boxes to Amazon. So I've spent several hundred dollars on shipping in my items, but I'm at a 13% margin over the last 30 days. 
Um, and so I'm obviously at four thousand forty four hundred dollars worth of sales. I'm, I've profited over five hundred seventy five dollars. Um, obviously, it's really start. I haven't even reached. In my, I haven't even come close to reaching scale in terms of my profit. I mean, for the last 30 days, I have $500 in profit. For the last seven days, I have $388 in sales, mainly because I'm not accruing a lot of these one-time fees, like LLC fee, a labeler. You know, these are kind of one-time fees that I'll be hit with once, and then over the course of the year, um, those will kind of, you know, average themselves out. But, you know, the, the average eBay guy... I hope this really makes sense to the average eBay guy because on eBay to sell 4,000, I sold $4,550 worth of stuff, 232 items. I, I have a son, I have a house, I have to water the grass, I have to do stuff. You know, like there is no way I would have been able to sell $4,500 worth of stuff on eBay and had it not been basically my whole life. Whereas this Amazon thing is like, I mean, it's like part of my day. Um, really what I've found is my son, who's like almost five months years old, when he's sitting around the house, he, he does not like to just sit there. Okay. You have to hold him. You have to walk around with him. You know what I mean? So for me, I can put, he's, he's really comfortable in the car. He's really comfortable in a stroller walking around a TJ Maxx. Okay. Even more comfortable than, you know, sitting around the house. So for me, it's become an awesome thing because when my wife works three days a week and I have to take care of him, I can put my son in the car and we can go to Home Depot. We can go to TJ Maxx. We can go to Ross. We can go to Marshall's and call it a day. And he can, you know, I can spend two or three hours doing that. And he's not, you know, basically, because it's hard for, I'd love to sit around and work. I have websites that make even more, way more money than this, but I can't sit here and work on my website when my son is four feet away crying, you know, because I'm not sitting there holding him and I can't have him in my lap and be, you know, putting up the kind of content that I need to make money on my website. So I've found with my son, at least when I'm here by myself, taking care of him, I can't work on my very profitable websites. So this has turned into kind of a nice thing that I can do to kind of keep him busy. And on top of that, I'm making money at the same time, but I'm able to scale this. And again, I don't think for whatever reason, the average baseball card collector, especially a lot of investors that I, that I have, you know, heated discussion with understand this concept of scale where instead of making 18% and working eight hours a day, I'd much rather make 10% margin and work two hours a day and be able to scale the business from, I think my first 30 days I did like, you know, like two, I've literally, I think my first 30 days on Amazon, I did like $2,000 worth of sales. Now I'm closer to 4,000. Next month I'll be at 8,000. Then I'll be at 15. Then I'll get to 20. Then we're getting into the Christmas season where all I've heard from all the podcasts that I've listened to about Amazon selling on Amazon, it's literally like, money falling out of the sky. So I'm really excited about the Christmas season um, and selling, you know, I'll probably, you know, right now I'm selling backpacks and stuff like that and lunch boxes uh, kind of in back to school mode. I will probably continue to source those items, but I will definitely be transitioning into more, you know, gifts and toys and board games and stuff like that as we transition into the season where everybody's buying uh, essentially holiday gifts. But it has been, uh, I could definitely, I, may, I do very well. Uh, I can afford a very nice house 
and an extremely nice car on just my website income. And I have, I save over, I save about $100 a week into an IRA account. So I'm saving $400 a month, sometimes a little more actually, since I've been buying Tesla and Amazon stock, you kind of need a little bit more capital to buy $300 shares and $1,000 shares. But I could see this Amazon thing in just probably about 30 or 40 days, over, even overtaking that income, like to where my website becomes less of an income than this Amazon thing. And if you would have told me that four months ago, I would have told you you were absolutely insane. So um, it's going really well. And I haven't even transitioned into private label, which is really what I'm going to do. I'm going to really stop going to TJ Maxx's and Targets and Walmarts and stuff. And buying. I mean, I'll probably dabble in that when, again, like you said, you were at Home Depot anyways. So you might as well see if you can't find something to flip on Amazon. I'll certainly do that. But um, I'm going to transition into making my own products, getting them manufactured and sending them in. So then once you get some sale velocity there, all it is is, I'm, you know, I just had Amazon ship another order. So as we're talking here, I mean, if I was a group breaker and we just, I mean, I don't know how long we're into this podcast, but would I have made any money? You know, Amazon is literally shipping stuff out. It just shipped out a Jansport roll top lunch bag, which I paid $5 for and I sold for $19. So I'm going to net $9 to $10 on that. And I literally have about four, I've bought about 40 of these. So I'll make about four or $500 in a span of maybe 25 days just on lunch bags, let alone the backpacks. I mean, the backpacks are incredible. My number one, I can actually, the cool thing about, you might want to get Fetcher at some point. The cool thing is you can click on sales and profits and I can go to, I can stretch this out for 30 days. What's it called? It's called Fetcher, F-E-T-C-H-E-R. Okay. So my number one product, and I have I have I haven't even hit not all, all of these have hit the the fulfillment center yet, but it's a backpack by JanSport. I've sold seven of them for three hundred ninety eight dollars. My unit cost was thirty one dollars each. I've made twenty five dollars profit on each one. Made a total profit one hundred seventy seven bucks. That's just one backpack. Got another backpack that I made forty three dollars in profit on. I can't keep these backpacks wow. in stock. I mean, it's, they, they, they go so fast that uh, it's pretty much incredible. My biggest purchase, probably my best purchase, was actually tape dispensers. I bought 76 tape dispensers. I've sold 63 of them, and I've made $153. And really all it took was like two clicks on an on a Office Max store. And I had them delivered to me, put them in a box, sent them to Amazon, and I've made $153 in 30 days. I guarantee I mean, you there's, it, there's ripping flippers, there's group breakers out there that are grinding way harder for $153 in profit. Oh, absolutely. And I go, I'd, I'd go to lunch with a guy who, uh, you know, we kind of shoot the shit on multiple different topics. And he works in tickets, so he kind of, you know, gives me some ideas. And he started some websites. Uh, you know, I told him about websites, so he started some websites. But he's really taking it to the next level. He's actually shown me some ideas that have really helped me and takes actually some of my sites to the next level. So, you know, we kind of bounce ideas off each other. And I told him about Amazon. And he has this, uh, you know, decent running website that gets like uh, three, four, five hundred people a day, which isn't bad at all. And... Um, he, he, he came up with a product. He sourced it off Alipay or Alibaba, whatever the fuck right. it's called. 
brought brought a hundred. I told them, I said, start small because they kind of wanted big orders. I was like, just start small and, and bring some over yeah, validate, and just test validate them first. the product right. first. So he did that. He brought them over. We, he, he brought them to lunch and, we, and he showed them to me. I was like, these are cool. Uh, look good and then so we found the listing i showed him how to basically list it uh he was gonna have him label it and do all the stuff because t- it was like 40 cents i was like dude you know for 40 cents you might as well just have them do it and he sent them in sent all 100 in and they sold out in a day and a half yep all all 100 yep. gone he literally kept texting me like throughout the national like I just sold 16. He's like, I just sold four yeah. more. He's like, is this real? He kept texting me like, is this real? I was like, dude, I told you. Like, I think people, you know, what people I mean? don't, people, uh, think, you know, I've, I've been listening to a podcast and one of the best ways to describe we, a lot of the people listening to this show are probably eBay, 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 you know, and maybe they buy their toilet paper or something off Amazon. But the best, on a podcast, I had a guy explain the difference between Amazon and eBay. eBay is blue collar, deal hunter, uh, you know, thrifter. That's eBay. Amazon is white collar, suburban, wealthy, one percent type person. You tell me as a as a seller. Do you want to sell to the blue-collar guy, the guy hunting for a bargain, hunting for a deal? Or do you want to sell to the white-collar, wealthy, 1% s- suburban uh, you know, wife that's just sitting at home because the husband makes a ton of money? And in this hobby, I guarantee you, 99% of the guys out there, I mean, it's the same guys that won't pay an extra nickel to uh, to send in their cards to check out my cards. So many people in this hobby choose eBay because they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's eBay, it's eBay. I don't want to say eBay's dead, but eBay's the site where, you know, if if you steal a bunch of goods, you know, like I'll like buy stuff and I'll look at like you could actually like buy stuff off eBay and send it in Amazon and sell it for more. Because I'll, like, buy stuff, like, I sometimes check on eBay, like, if I get, like, 10, 10 or 12 or 15 of a certain unit, I'll, I'll maybe list it on eBay. But then when I go to look on eBay, I'm like, holy shit, that's cheaper, that's, like, almost as cheap or cheaper than what I just paid for it, you know, to source it. And then it'll sell on Amazon for full price. So I don't think people, a lot of people, you know, really get that, really get that. Amazon is like the place where stuff sells for full price and it sells quick. And if you have, well, the right I'm staying in, yeah, I'm, I'm staying in a, in a, like a mini high rise here in Chicago. And, and so there's like a little mail room and stuff and it's all Amazon boxes. Yeah. I mean, where do you think these people get their stuff? There's not a target down there. I don't, there's probably not a target like anywhere around like no. Walmart. Yeah. It's not just sitting right in the middle of downtown. And these are like dense, dense areas. Go to San Francisco, and when you're oh, stuck Jesus. in traffic, and the UPS FedEx guy's walking across, he's got a mountain of Amazon Prime boxes. Yep. It's all Amazon fucking well, Prime. What do you think they're hey, ordering? And on Sundays, I've had mail deliver. It's not my eBay packages. It's my Amazon packages get delivered on Sundays now. And that's because Amazon pushes so much freaking volume that though it makes sense for the United States Postal Service to deliver the packages on Sunday. Does eBay do that? No. So, I mean, eBay, again, 
If you pull a high-end card, sure, yeah, it's probably the place to sell it. Uh, or, you know, there's certain things that probably sell pretty well on eBay. But it's a flea market. That's what eBay is. It's the flea market. It's the garage sale. Any Joe Blow can list anything they want on there. Amazon is like the department store, you know. It's like right. no, it's, it's like, the high end. Yeah. It, it's a higher end guy. But I buy my cat like uh, our cat actually twenty five dollar food. Uh, it's like some of the best food you can buy. And there's a there's a store like a half mile down the street that has it too for about the same price. But Amazon will deliver the same day I order it. I could order right. in the morning and it's, it's there by three. Right. So why would I leave my house when I got a, a thousand niner tickets to sell? Any 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 time I leave the house, that's just hundreds of dollars just spilling out my pocket to go get my cat this expensive food. Right. So Amazon, Amazon, and it's only going to get better. Jeff Bezos isn't going to slow down service no. time. Jeff Bezos is trying to get it to where you order it. Uh, you know, something buzzes, a drone buzzes down and delivers it right. on your front porch five minutes later. Right. He wants you to go into a grocery store, fill up your cart, and walk out without having to wait in fucking line and, and wait for a fucking checker to count out your money and. and and fucking dick oh, the dog God. and bag I've, your groceries. I stand in so many lines. I mean, the, the retail department stores are jammed pack. I mean, I'm standing, sometimes I'm standing there and I'm like, is it worth it for me to stand here in line and buy these four backpacks and make 40 bucks? I mean, most of the times it is. But, uh, you know, so I get it. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people get, they look at the fees and they think, they start comparing them to eBay. And it's like, or comparing to other places to sell. It's like, guys. I've sat here on the podcast and they've shipped like four or five of my items. Four or five of my items have sold. I don't have to do anything. I'm going to go to L.A. like next week. I'm going to go to San Diego. I was just in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Stuff was selling on Amazon as, you know, as I was on vacation. If you take vacation from your eBay account, you might get shut down. I don't think people get that. I think, again, I think a lot of these guys are sitting around. They want to fondle cards. They have their mom wiping their ass. The mom's paying their bills. She's wiping, you know, tapping his dick when, you know, there's a little bit of pee-pee left after he takes a piss, and she says, oh, let me get that for you. So these guys, you know, and they're like, oh, I'd rather sell on, I'd rather be a top seller on eBay and pay 9% than, you know, scale my business up. I'd rather, you know, sell $3,000 worth of stuff and pick packet and ship it all at a 20% margin than sell, you know, $30,000 worth of stuff at a 10% margin and not really have to do anything. I wish it was harder, too. I mean, I'm doing, like, the hard Me stuff. Too. Like, this retail arbitrage stuff is actually the hard part. But I'm kind of seasoning my account. I'm kind of get you know get, get seeing what sells, see the velocities. You know, you see the sales rank, and you hear the people on the podcast says, "Hey, yeah, if it's a five thousand sales rank, you're going to sell this many a day." I don't, you know. Now I'm seeing it. Yeah, I, I buy a backpack with a one thousand sales rank, and I and five hit the site. They literally sell out that day. I'm like, they're gone. So it's like, wow, if I can make a product that can achieve a sales rank of 10,000 or less, I'm going to sell 15 to 20 of them every day. And if you can, you know, make five to $10 per item, then all of a sudden you're going to make 50 to a hundred dollars per day. And essentially on autopilot. 
Couldn't be easier. Yeah, we're putting money in these people's pockets. Like, I mean, I think we should have charged after the 30-minute oh, mark. Jesus. Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, Jesus listen, Christ. I, I mean, we could, we could be on here step by step, say... I've actually on this podcast recently, I've given very specific ideas about, hey, if you want to make money on a sports card website, this is the content you have to put up. I was just on sportscardradio.com right now, and I was like looking at the, I don't know why, I think I was logging in to, there was like a comment or something, and I was looking, well, our top Okay, the top uh, the top page is, I think, something you run an ad to. So, you know, of course yes, you're going to get correct. clicks on that. The second, okay, over the homepage, the second most popular post is nine, a, a page about 1989 tops. Correct. Every day. Then it's the homepage, and then it's another page that has been basically the most popular page since we set up the site. Then it's how to submit your cards to be graded. Correct. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't get any easier than this, guys. It doesn't. I actually stole your idea because I, I have a girl who works for me, and she does some shit for me. So she literally priced out about 20 sets that eventually, one, when I get around to it, I've put a couple up, 89 Pro Set and uh, what was it, 88 Fleer. But I got, I got 20 more, and she could, I mean, she could do whatever whatever is yeah. necessary no, I mean, so I, I, it's actually we're gonna take our own idea just put them on fucking sports card radio and then next year we'll talk about how much we f- fucking money we've made on these fucking pages that i paid a girl basically nothing to fucking set these things up i'd have to do a little work designing it but it's kind of fun actually because i get to kind of uh learn about these sets that i actually didn't know that much about and actually i got some pictures here that are really going to help me out and, and learn some things actually come to the show so next po- next year when we do this again i'll talk about how much fucking money i've made on those pages and how you know six or seven six or seven of them are the most fucking popular pages on our site and uh basically i don't have to do shit i can just sit here at the fucking national in my 250 a night fucking apartment and fucking in downtown and just fucking chill and smoke weed off the balcony so no, i mean and that's the reason why i talk about this on the show we could give everybody step by step by step by step. I mean, how many years have I been on this podcast and being like, stop buying baseball cards, invest in the stock market. And lo and behold, over that span of time, look what's happened to the stock market. How many people probably have taken my advice and gotten rich off it? Absolutely zero, probably. I mean, maybe a guy here and there put some money in, but they didn't go all in like they should have. We could give everybody step by step. I mean, really, I'm telling you what to buy. Buy some, buy some backpacks right now. Uh, in, in two months, buy some toy. I mean, if you can get ungated in the toy category. But there's plenty of things you could be selling during the Christmas season. Guarantee you. No, I mean, I actually did have a guy DM me on Twitter, a loyal listener, uh, that he'd sent his first box into Amazon FBA. So I do. I did have a listener. Um, you know, we did inspire a listener to... to put their toe in the water in Amazon FBA. And I think it's great. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not on this. Sh- well, I, kn- I know for a fact we've inspired some people on checking my cards that make more than I do right now, that make more than oh, I do, yeah. uh, you know, currently. Maybe not total, but, like, there's some guys, they told me about, you know, what they got going on. They're making more than I'm, like, right on. like, And they found out or, you know, kind of discovered it through us talking about it. And that's great. That's what we want because – 
you know, we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't think it was a good idea. We're not getting fucking paid. We're not getting fucking stroked off. I'm not over here licking these guys fucking nuts here in Chicago. You know, I'm here doing my own thing, and every couple hours go out, take a hit of fucking herb, and, and walk back in and chill around the show. I mean, that's that's what it's about. And then come back on, on the show and, and talk about it. So, and, and if there's something shady that happens, trust me, I wish it was the crickets convention and there was something fun to talk about. But, uh, you know, scandal-wise. But there's not. And, uh, you know, we're on here telling you the straight shit. You know, like you said, you've been talking about the stock market going up since 2008, 2009, when everybody was trying to sell stocks and run from shit. You know? Shoveling every last dollar that's inside. Talking about check on my cards for years upon years and years. We've talked about how hard it is to scale group breaking for years, years. Apparently, there's footage of actually me, because I have seen Aaron Judge play in the Fall League several years ago. There's footage of me, and I'm going to dig it up on the Sports Card Live podcast, of me basically calling out how good Aaron Judge was going to be. Found out about that this week. So the hits keep coming. You're the only, you know, we're the only people that are going to be patting yourselves on the back. Nobody's going to pat yourself on the back but yourself. So... You know, maybe next, instead of us doing it, maybe I'll just get my employee to cut us a, 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 our greatest hits and we'll just play those one day. How about that? Maybe I'll, do, I'll have her just listen to, you know, have her go, go fetch these things, put them on a, on a show, and we'll just have a greatest hits podcast of us calling these things out year after year after year. Now, now I would have been dead wrong about the national attendance, but you can't hit, you know, you're never going to hit uh, – uh, a thousand, but if I if you can hit four hundred, you're probably going to make a lot of money and and make it to the Hall of Fame. So well, when it comes to making uh, money, there's idiots in this hobby, and then there's people with good ideas. And as I find out all the time on Twitter, I mean, I had some idiots being like, "Oh God, you know, PWCC sells all the cool cards. You know, checking my cards doesn't have any of that. They ain't shit." And it's like, do you want to make money? And it's just like, you know, Tops and Panini doing, like, Tops Now and Panini Instant. Do you want to make $1,500 a day selling a stupid baseball card, or do you want to make 15000 selling e-packs? I'm convinced more people in this hobby are more, more enamored with the athletes and the, the, the big cards and this the and that. The, the fondling the and the molesting. Yeah, then M- actually making money. Fondling. For me, I like fondling money. Do you like money? <laughs> Most people don't, I swear. I think they're they're just more, you know, oh, I got this card, yay. I spent all, you know, I fondled some money and then traded in for this card that nobody cares about but me. Cool. <laughs> Last time I checked, everybody cares about money. Nobody cares about your Aaron Judge card that's going to be worth half as much next year when nobody cares about him. For every Aaron Judge, there's, uh, you know, Trevor, Trevor story. story. Wow, you got anything else to say? We, we, uh... Well, I think we glossed over one thing. Another thing we were right about, I'm going to pat myself on the back again right now, is we were very vocal about how these apps that Panini, and especially Tops invested a lot of money in, how... That was going to die. That was a fad. There was no way that business model was going to continue on. And we had, I think, many people be like, oh, no, this is the future. This is, 
you know, this is where cards are going. It's going to digital cards. Not really. How many apps are popular, you know, year after year after year after year? You know, Facebook, YouTube's app, you know, Twitter, YouTube. How many other apps are popular? You know, is Candy Crush still in the top 10? Shit dies out unless it's really performing a, a service or has a, a, a massive user base behind it. Nobody's going to care. And we found that out with the apps. They've died. It's Cricketville. And God, I, I can't count how many people would tell me, oh, these apps, these are the, this is the future. This is going to get kids involved. This is going to do this, that, and the other. And maybe it did. Maybe, maybe it did get everybody to come to the, put down the app and come to the national. I don't know. Maybe that did contribute to it. But, boy, they spur, sure spent a hell of a lot of money on these apps when they could have just built an EPAC app. I think people would still be using that. We said it for how many years? If there was EPAC for tops, these motherfuckers would oh, be, broke be broke and divorced. Period in three point five fucking seconds, the, and and the thing, the beautiful thing about EPAC, you don't have to know shit about hockey cards because all the prices and all the fucking cards are on Check Out My Cards, so you can just play a value game. When somebody sends a trade, you don't have to fucking really know who they are. You could just look up the cards on Check Out My Cards, and it's all there for you. Oh, he's sending me a thirty cent card, and I'm gonna get a fifty cent card. And just the except- trading is is uh, forget opening the packs digitally trading and transfer essentially transferring cards that is something that is just would be uh, forever in the hobby literally and if you could do that with tops baseball cards i mean these guys would just be like you said they'd be they'd be they'd be broke their wife would divorce them yep. and they'd be doing it work so they'd get fired on top of it yep just the trading aspect to where i can have a card and i can trade it and then get the card I want or cards I want and then either sell them on to check on my cards, have them hold them or have them ship them to me. I mean, it's the same. It's the same, uh, exactly the same thing as these digital apps. It's just these digital apps, you know, at some point, the novelty of having the digital card wore off. And I think for some people, you know, it took longer to realize that than others. But for me, it's like, would I rather have a digital Rolex or a real one? Okay. May, yeah, maybe it'd be cool to have a digital Rolex, uh, you know, ticking uh, on my screen. And it's like, oh, cool, look, I got the, the new jewel face. Or would I rather have a real one? You know, would I rather, like, play a video game where I was driving a Mercedes or would I really have a real one? After a while of, you know, playing Grand Theft Auto or, you know, whatever, Gran Turismo... You know, maybe you really should graduate and get the real one. And so, you know, hopefully Tops and Panini, you know, I, I, again, Panini thinks a VIP party is paper plates and napkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, a real signature is, you know, one with an auto pen. And, and you know, Mitchell and S can be a one-on-one game-worn yeah. jersey. Let's reiterate that everything that I've heard is that when they heard from fucking Beckett that the fucking Dak Prescott cards were fucking auto pen. Panini didn't believe it, and they told him fucking kick rocks. 
It's how fucking stupid those fuckers are. They fucking sell all these fucking cards and they can't fucking tell that shit? Are you fucking serious? Like, this is your fucking job. I swear, like, the people that buy Panini cards could go to the nicest steakhouse, get served a fro- order a, a ribeye for $60, a bone-in ribeye for $60, be served a frozen skirt steak, <laughs> and they wouldn't know the difference. Exactly. They'd be like, oh, Bingo. yeah, that was pretty good. That's unbelievable. Well, you want to give you want to give it like a not one one more little outro, and then we done. Yeah. Well, so you know we were not right once, not right twice, not twice, not three times, not three times, not and this four is on times, group breaking, not five times. This is on everything. Evac tops Panini sucking with their apps. They should move into Epac. This is on check out my cards. Being a dominant company in this in this industry, and again, one day I'll be proven right that that company is worth more than Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Press Pass. Throw them all into one bunch. That company is going to be worth more than all of those companies combined. Period. Let alone some consigner on eBay. Good God. Oh, Jesus. Where does see people people don't think like check out my cards he sells on his own site, eBay, Amazon. Where does fucking PWCC fucking sell on? What does Probstein fucking sell? Do they on? have their own e-commerce? Why don't those idiots have their own e-commerce website? Why haven't they graduated to why don't they have their own platform to sell on? They probably ha- they probably have 10, 10 or less people working for them. They have little tables here and there's some people there, but they might even be temp employees. They Check on my cards has three distribution centers. He's going to sign another multi-million dollar deal on another one. He's looking for four full-time fucking developers, not card sorters, not packers and shippers, fucking developers to work on the front end and the back end of the fucking website. He's thinking about taking investment money from his fucking users, which I would literally shovel in fucking money. I'm just going to let everybody know. I'm going to buy those all myself, so there's not going to be any for you but uh, or anybody else out there. Well, I mean, I'll let you buy some shares, and I'll buy some shares, but the jabronis out there that are listening to this, they're, they're too – I mean, again, these guys are more worried about what Aaron Judge cards they're going to buy or, you know, Chris Bryant or whoever the hot guy is at the moment. They're more worried about that than, again, for a year uh, – I was not right about the stock market once – Twice, three times, four times, five million times. For the last ten fucking years, it's gone up. Aaron Judge cards aren't going to go up for ten fucking years, no. period. And there's nobody that's buying Aaron Judge cards and getting, getting rich off of it. And then go, bu- go bought a house and go improve their life. Because they have a dozen Trevor Story cards. Yep. Just same stuff. It's the same same story every every year. Every year, you know? doesn't matter if it's packed or not. Same story every year. It's hard to scale your business if you can't scale your business. Doesn't matter if this is cricket convention or packed convention. You're, you 
maybe you'll make a couple extra grand right. here, but when you go home, you still can't scale your business, right. and you're back to where you started. And this time next year, the only people we'll give up our Amazon stats, and I wouldn't yep. be shocked if it and was the six, I wouldn't be shocked if it was six figures. If this time next year yep. it's like, oh yeah, I just had a six figure month. Well, what'd you do the last thirty days? What are your last thirty I did 4, days? Five hundred sales wise. Uh, I've done twenty eight. What is that? That's six. Seven What's grand? between That's the two grand. of us? That's over. Yeah, seven we're almost. Grand. We're already. Yeah, we're. I'm already gonna be at, at ten what, grand next month. 000. I mean, I've already spent. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a genius to run this. Okay, do I have seven? I mean, no. I'm not spending seven thousand dollars out of my bank account. God knows, I won't do that. The, the credit card companies are willing to loan you money for 0% for like, I just got one for 21 months. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius. I, yeah. The, I haven't paid for a flight in years. My girlfriend can fly with me for free wherever the fuck I go yeah. because I have so many fucking Southwest points right. and companion pass, A-list, this, that, and the other thing. I'll make more in credit card rewards over the next six months than these jabronis will buying and selling all their crap on eBay. I mean, they'll, they'll maybe chop out $1,500, $2,000 worth of net income. I'll make that in credit card rewards. I'll pay more in taxes than these motherfuckers no, will well, make yeah, all year. A guarantee fucking to you. Well, yeah, since, especially because they're not going to do tax reform, but that's a sore subject for me because I was hoping to uh, save some money on that this year, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But... Uh, I don't want to end the end the show on a down to down note there, but uh, you know, we again. I think we could spell this all out. I'll I'll be, I'll be giving out my Amazon stats. I'm telling you exactly what I'm I'm selling. I'm not so, again. If you want to sit on here and fondle baseball cards and, and be like, oh, I'm gated out. I can only sell this and that and the other. Guys, nobody collects baseball cards compared to how many kids need a backpack in, in the next four weeks. How many kids need a backpack? Compared to every single every one. single kid, how many kids need uh, a lunch bag? How many people need a light bulb? How many people need a tape dispenser? How many people need wh- whatever it is? God, there's so many things out there. I've had so many people be like, "Oh, what boxes are you selling? Where you know where are you getting your cards?" Guys, nobody gets rich selling baseball cards. Okay, we found the right. We found this out firsthand. Okay, we sold on eBay. We opened up a card store, and what happened? Went broke. We went broke. Then we started putting up content for free, 100% free. No subscription program, no paywall, no asking for donations or sponsorships. And what happened? We made a lot of money. We made a ton of money. And guess what? We did. We didn't buy booths at the at the at the industry <laughs> summit. We didn't bring four. What did that guy, that uh, idiot from Cardboard Connection, would bring like four or five people wherever he rolled? It was like a right. like a Mike Tyson fight. He'd had like four or five people with him. And it's, <laughs> how much did money did that cost? Good God! If he had put that money like we did into the stock market. Uh, he might not have had to threaten. Uh, might not have went off the deep end. I guarantee you, he went broke, and that's what caused him to. He go could off. afford his drugs. Well, I mean, some of that's probably <laughs> prescription shit, but God knows he might have been living a much more comfortable lifestyle if he hadn't blown all his freaking money. That's a, that's the other tip. If you start making money in this hobby, 
Take the money out and run with it and go buy a house. Go buy something else. Go invest it in the stock market. Go do Amazon. Go, yeah, Yeah. go expand your business somewhere else. So many idiots in this hobby then say, oh, I'm I'm making a little bit of money, so I'm going to go buy some polo shirts and hire four people and show up at the National, act like I'm a big guy. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, some of these guys, that's the thing. Some of these guys are like grinders, and I'm just like thinking to myself, I grind like during football season and sell the tickets because I kind of like it, and that's about it. That's like literally like what eight weeks, and then the weather gets bad, and and, and you kind of people don't want to go to a football stadium anyways in, in November, December. So I literally work like three months out of the year and make four or five times, ten times more than any of these guys who are grinding every day in front of a fucking camera, opening carts, packing and shipping, and and, and sitting around and traveling to shows and doing the X, Y, and Z and having a shop. I work three months out of the year. I mean, I think it's worth, you know, putting in the time when it's a scale, you know, look at check out my cards. They've, they've grinded, they've hired people, they got polo shirts and, you know, they built it up into a multi-million dollar business. Okay. It's probably worth putting in, putting in the time, putting in the effort when you can scale up that big guys. You're not going to be able to buy 50 cases of top, every set that Topps puts out and then all of a sudden scale it up to a multi-million dollar business. Period. No. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be, be PWCC and take 4% off the top and, and list, just list cards on eBay and be a multi-millionaire. Nobody does that. So it's too easy. The money's too easy. I'm a big fan of easy money. I mean, this Amazon stuff is actually, quite frankly, it's a little more. Too easy. It's too easy. It's a little more work than I'm used to. But like I said, for me right now at the the moment, this moment of my life, how, you know, it, it is incredibly difficult. to. Well, I mean, we, we didn't even touch on. I mean, we both have websites that we never fucking oh, yeah, have to touch. Yeah. That rake in the money. I have fucking, you know, it, at least top two, if not the most popular Beanie Babies website. My shit gets blown up. Twenty four. Actually, when I was in the flight, two people were fighting and like I was getting all this shit on the flight. Like, are you going to kick these people out of this group I have and shit? I'm going to have more people in my Facebook group than I will have followers on Twitter. I got on Twitter in 2010. I'll probably have like 10,000 followers by the end of the year. I'll have 20,000 people in my Beanie Babies Facebook group in, in three months, four months. Right. Like it, we have shit that's just money in the bank that we don't have to do shit on. Like I, I don't have to grind. I have less than 200 posts on this Beanie Baby site and it's a five-year-old site. So I'm obviously not sitting around here putting uh, an article on every day and tweeting and doing a contest and r- running uh, uh, MailChimp at, uh, mailers right. and shit and sending you spam. I'm not doing any of that. None of that. Well, as you you know that I have you, a dating website or a website in the dating niche that I actually had to just uh, it had gotten hacked and then so uh, Google like. Was like you can't run ads on this website until you fix it. So I was like, God damn it, because I hadn't. I literally set that website up in one day. Set the website up in one day. Left it up for like a year with no ads, no anything on there, because I was just it was just kind of like a whatever. 
Then I checked it one day, and it was getting thousands of people to it. So I was like, I eh, probably should put some ads up. So I did that, made some money, and then it got hacked, and I was like, what happened to that website? What happened to that money? Because I was like making money off of it, and then the money stopped. And I was like, oh, shit, it got hacked. So waited a couple months <laughs> before, because I had to switch it over to WordPress. So it was like more work than... You know, it was like an hour of work instead of five minutes. So obviously I put that off for as long as possible. Finally, I was like, oh, I'll sit down. I'll, I'll actually fix this shit. So sw- switched over to WordPress. I actually, uh, there was like eight articles on the site. Now there's two. Got finally, after, it took like two weeks for Google to recognize the, the website wasn't hacked anymore. Put the ads back up. Boom, the money starts coming, the money and the traffic and everything all came pouring back in. So I can't believe, I can vouch for how poorly that I had to, do, I did something on that site or I put like a, a couple articles on that site one time. I don't know why, but that site was so poorly set up in Joomla. Like the structure, no you logo. could tell it was like the first thing you ever did because yeah. it was like the, there's a certain way you have to structure Joomla, and you I fucked it up. Totally That's screwed because it, up. it was and the I was new like, Joomla. The I heck? didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to work the new Joomla. It was like I was just putting it up to use the new Joomla. So I was like, I need a new website so I can use this to see if it's worth you know, continuing on. And I set it up and I was like, this sucks. The categories and all the sections or whatever was all different. And I didn't know what I was doing. I literally didn't know what I was doing. Like I said, there was like eight or nine uh, articles on there. And then, like I said, it got hacked. Uh, Like all Joomla sites end up getting (laughs) hacked. And it took me like two, two, three, four months before I was like, oh, wait, what happened to all that money that was coming in? And then so finally I fixed it and uh, took me an hour or two. And, but I eliminated 90% 90% of the content and the money started. And then I was able, you know, I had to wait another couple of weeks for Google recognize that it's cool again. And so then I got cleared to, to run ads on that side, put that, put the ads back up and the site makes money again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, back. it doesn't get any easier than that. Um, but again, I'm convinced most people would rather, you know, fondle their cards, uh, than sit around and make, uh, make easy money. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, you know, I just sold another thing on uh, Amazon as we're sitting here. You know, I'm check. making sales. Stuff is getting shipped out. I just sold another tape dispenser. I sold a backpack wow. for $56 that I bought for wow, $19. So it, it's just, I sold another lunch bag too. Bought those for four ninety nine. So reminds me of tickets. Yeah, it reminds it's exactly me of tickets like tickets. It's almost easier. It's, it's exactly like tickets, but there's no expiration. Obviously, if you buy like Christmas right. ornaments or something like that, there's an expiration there because you need to sell it within the you know the the time period people buy Christmas ornaments. But you know, and backpacks will the sales I I you know has to slow down a little bit, but people will buy backpacks year round. But um, no, it's exactly like tickets. There's just no expiration. And, you know, there is still liquidation value. You know, the, the price mm-hmm. goes down. I, you know, I haven't made money. I've probably made money on the 250-odd units that I've sold. I think I've only lost money on, like, two of them, two or three of them, where I've had right. to, like, you know, on Amazon, you'll notice, hey, maybe Amazon will come step in and sell it. And they've got you know, 500 units of it. So you're like, well, fuck, I might as well just blow this out and get rid of it. But uh, no, it's exactly like tickets, except it's, you know, it's actually like, it's exactly like check out my cards, 
It's just mm. backpacks, TV antennas, light bulbs. Um, and then that's why I really like check out my cards and I really like Amazon. They're basically exactly the same, uh, except check out my cards is strictly cards for right now. And Amazon is pretty much everything that you're ungated uh, and not restricted to sell. So uh, it's just a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Couldn't be easier. Um, and, and, and we're doing the hard part, you know. We're gonna, I'm going to transition into private label. I've already got two or three product ideas. One is 100% a go because I have web traffic that I can send to it. Um, and, you know, it, it, I, I, I wouldn't shock me if this time next year, Easily, I mean, I'm going to be at five five figure sales next month, and it, again at a ten to twenty percent margin, that's going to be an extra thousand or two thousand dollars in my pocket. That's going to be awesome. You know, my four hundred one k is going to get bigger, and eventually I'll have a night. You know, I always told I always uh, told my wife. I've been telling my wife for years after I bought her in, her engagement ring. I was like, man. You know, I would always look at my wrist and be like, yeah, it looks a little, looks a little bleat, looks a little, uh, a little uh, empty there. You know, your, your, both your fingers have uh, really nice rings on them. And then I look at my wrist and there's nothing there. So I always joke with my wife about that, but she's always been like, just go buy yourself the watch you want. Just go buy it, go buy it. And I always told her, no, 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 no. I need the house first and I need the car first. You know what I mean? Like you can't have a $10,000 watch and be living in a 400-square-foot apartment, right. you know, and be driving right. a Honda. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I always wanted to take it step-by-step, step, and I've gotten over the hurdle, got a nice car, got a nice house. Now my wrist is bleak, so I'm doing – I'm literally – again, like you said, we have other things making us money, and, and I can pay my bills and save money with it. All this Amazon, the, the, the only thing that I'm selling this stuff on Amazon is so I can buy, go buy a Rolex presidential, hopefully before the end of the year is out. Um, we'll see if it happens. Uh, again, I'm going to have to sell $100,000 worth of stuff and make about a 10% margin so I have 10 grand in my pocket. We'll see. But, um, you know, I've set goals. I, I think a lot of people, we, we might be able to close it out on this. Set a goal. Set, you know, and set a high goal, you know, I didn't say, Hey, I want to sell on Amazon so I could go buy myself a Casio watch. You know, I'm trying to buy something really nice and, and whatever it might be for you. Maybe you're trying to quit your job. Maybe you're just trying to pay your bills. Maybe you're trying to, uh, whatever it is, you know, maybe you're trying to buy your first house or maybe you're trying to make enough money so you can save a little extra per month. So you can build up a savings, whatever it is, set a goal and, and go for it. You know, acquiring every Derek Jeter card ever made, that's a high goal, but what is that really going to do for you? Saying, hey, I'm going to sell $10,000 worth of stuff on eBay. What is that really going to do for you other than cost you a whole hell of a lot of time? So be smart, save your money. Don't spend it all on the hot rookie or the hot set or whatever's out. God knows don't buy Panini crap. God, they think a VIP party is paper plates and paper napkins and silver packs. Do they have gold packs? Like, were there silver and gold packs this year? Gold at the okay, VIP party. Okay, gold at the VIP party. I was going to say, like, you know, just silver. I just saw people talking about these silver packs, and I was like, 
Okay, silver is not as good as gold, but uh, good thing they have, <laughs> they have gold packs. Uh, you know, God, you could have bought a Rolex presidential, but the price it talks get into a VIP party where they have paper plates and paper napkins. I mean, good lord, can't believe it. But uh, well, I mean, why don't you know? Why don't we close this out? You know, because I, I, I'm I was in Vegas. You know, before I got here, I'm actually flying to Vegas tomorrow. I mean, how many people are going from the? A lot of people have to go to go home and get to work and go handle biz. I'm gonna go straight to the Vidar and group text our little Vegas group uh, text that our buddies and like, yep, guys, I'm sitting in Shake Shack. I'm sitting <laughs> at the pool. I'm sitting in the Vidara. Where where were you going in a couple of weeks? I thought you said something oh, about. I a, just booked. Little, Tory Pines, baby. There's a wedding. How much was that? Uh, it was over $600 a night for three nights, Friday, because I'm going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was like, uh, damn, is Tiger Woods going to be in the suite too, or what? Well, I hope, well, my wife's going to be there, but I was going to say, you know, Tiger could come because we know how Tiger rolls. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Woo, no, I'm going to try. I'll be down there too, real yeah. quick. <laughs> I'm going to try to get around at Torrey Pines. I heard it's it's marginally difficult to uh, get a tea time. However, the regular room price is 400. Obviously, I booked the Ocean View room, the basically the top one. So I should be able to get a tea time. Should be able to call them up, and get a tea time. So I'm gonna hopefully play around at Torrey Pines. The um, I'm going down there for a wedding, and obviously, you know, with a wedding, they're like, oh, yeah, stay at the Best Western. We got a great rate for you. You know, and it's like, I was like thinking, I'm not staying at the Best Western. So we're literally staying, the the golf course is like 25, 30 minutes from San Diego. So we're not even staying in uh, San Diego. But, yeah, staying at one of the, uh, Torrey Pines is like a top, got to be a top 10 uh, golf course in the United States. So For sure. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a fight when I search for, I mean, you, I think are included in this. Uh, I'm a hotel snob. I do not stay at properties that are not rated five star. So, um, for whatever, for whatever reason, I don't like to stay the, the times I've had to stay. I mean, there's some cities and some situations where you, the best you can do is a, you know, a, a embassy suites or something like that. But the times I've stayed at, a, you know, a four star or below property, I mean, it sucks. Uh, and not to mention, it's it's a tax write-off, too. You know, when you, you go on vacation, you know, I'll be hitting up the Rosses and the and the TJ Maxxes and stuff on the way down there, so it'll turn into a business trip for me. And, you know, it, it'll be an $1,800, you know, something I can put on my taxes as an $1,800 expense. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, we were just in Vegas, and, God, that was expensive. I mean, it was because the basketball players were there, the the everybody was there, and it was it was really expensive. So yeah, it was all the NBA players, all the UFC fighters, and that's then us right. Two yeah, the yeah. The, I mean, that was yeah. It. The UFC fight. The UFC had a fight that weekend, so we were seeing all the UFC fighters, and one of them was even staying like two doors down from my room. And uh, yeah, all the basketball players. I mean, a lot of the B rate. You know, a lot of these guys were, you know, second string, third string guys. But God, I don't know how many basketball players we saw and the coaches and all the staff were there. So, I mean, most of the time I was expecting to get upgraded to like a top. I would have. In fact, if I would have known that I wouldn't have gotten upgraded, I would have just booked because I was almost going to book the best suite you could get in the Vidara. I was just going to book it. But I, but but, you know, you know, the strategy you book kind of like a mid grade right. suite. 
and they almost room. always upgrade you for only like a hundred. It's only usually it's only like fifty to hundred dollars more a night. Like it's not that much. You know, it's not the the normal like three or four hundred dollars. I got it for thirty the other night. Only the 30? other uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, yeah, because I rolled in on Sunday and I bought a like a studio suite, uh-huh. and then they upgraded me to the city corner for yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got screwed. So like I was expecting to go to Vegas and be on the top floor and I was really excited. But then come to find out DeMarcus Cousins and all his boys and every, you know, every single, you know, 12th man basketball player is in D leaguer is, is literally in Vegas. I probably should next year. We'll obviously, you know, if Lonzo ball is playing, probably go again. Um, so, you know, next year we'll probably plan that out a little bit better, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, other people out there could be doing this, but like I said, I think more people are enamored with, uh, you know, the hot, the hot card, the hot set instead of, you know, the hot stock and the hot, uh, you know, right. The, Five the hot market. They're thinking about today. We're thinking about tomorrow. Right. No. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. People are thinking about the hot player today. And some of them are trying to, you know, prospect for the hot player tomorrow. But God, that you might as well just go roll craps at the at the Aria, you know. Yeah, just roll dice. Go, just go shoot yeah. dice if you want to pick the next Bowman Chrome card that's going to go up next year. Just go shoot dice. You know what I mean? Nobody would have guessed Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge. Nobody would have guessed those were the two hot guys. Those weren't guys on people's radars. Aaron Judge shit was I like I got Aaron Judge cards in the in the twenty five cents. Uh, I don't know how much they're worth, but I was like in my uh, they're worth a ton. Well, I probably will go pull them out and list them on eBay because I just saw I have a jer- we have like a jersey card. There might even be like Wait, a what? little parallel card. Like yeah, I found like we opened like a case of Heritage or whatever, and he was in there and. Uh, Oh what? It's like a jersey card of of Aaron. J- oh, you need to go get that on there, dude. He's yeah, red I know he's hot red right hot, now, but dude, like dumb. I said, I mean, for me, it's like he'd have to be. I mean, I know he's red hot, but gosh, I got a lot of you know. I'm going to Torrey Pines. I'm you know, I've got Vegas still on my mind. I've got you know, yeah. Send it in to check on my yeah, cards. Maybe I'll end up doing that. But yeah, no, I, we have Aaron Judge cards. I was literally back there. Flipping through, because I was like, oh, I wonder if we have any Aaron Judge. And I was like flipping through there, and yeah, there was like a jersey card of him. And it's like oh sitting in my garage, so. It's probably worth 50 bucks. Yeah, maybe I'll send it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll send it. Or more. It. I mean, that's like half a tank of gas, but. <laughs> that's uh, 50 bucks. Yeah, that's what? One uh, eighth of your stay at Torrey Pines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one eighth, like one eightieth. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. And yeah, the other day I was at the, the, before, uh, went to Vegas, had the, the Ben serviced. And, uh, so they called me and was like, Hey, your car's ready. And they were like, Hey, we noticed your tires were down to, I don't know what percentage. And I was like, really? I literally had to replace one of them. Uh, not too like oh, less than a year expensive. ago. And so the guy was like, you want to coach you out on that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And he was like, well, it's going to be uh, $1,600 and 53 cents. And I was like, Wait, wait a second, $1,600, that's $400 a tire. And, I, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you want me to get that started for you? And I was like, uh, I'm going to Vegas in three days. Uh, I was not anticipating blowing $1,600. So needless to say, I don't have new tires on my car, but I will be doing that in the next 30 days probably. I think we're going to L.A. So I'll probably, and San Diego, obviously, so I'll probably do that before then. So I'll be a little light on the, in the wallet, but... I won't be. <laughs> then you're paying for the hotel and dinner. We'll go to Mastro's in Malibu or whatever. 
<laughs> Sounds good yeah. to me. Sign it yeah, up. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll definitely be a little, little light. But uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, well, I'm glad you're having fun in Chicago. When you come back to California, we'll have some fun here. But uh, yeah, keep those Amazon, uh, Amazon things uh, going. And uh, I'll let you know how my private, well, I think my private label, uh, I've been meaning to order, I'm ordering from China. So narrowing down the suppliers, should be putting that order in uh, in a week or two. But uh, see how it goes. But it uh, should be a 10 grand. should be 10 grand sales. Easy. I don't know how many people are 10 grand sales on eBay. I know when we were doing eBay, like, almost full time, it was hard to get to, like, 3,000, like, three to 5,000 in sure. sales. Okay? To get to 10 grand in sales today, after, yeah. like, literally, like, 60 days of sale, uh, selling is pretty damn good. So I'm excited. Excited to see where it goes. Definitely excited for the Christmas season. Um, and de- definitely excited to take advantage of that. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, closing thoughts from the national? Uh, busy, but again, it's impossible to scale these businesses except for a couple of them. Uh, probably the grading companies, check out my cards. And um, other than that, I can't really think of it. So be careful don't get suckered in thinking there's like quick fast money in this industry you know maybe it's fast but it's not sustainable and it's not going to be like a lot a lot it's not going to be a thousand dollars a day you're not just going to be you know make a quarter million just flipping cards or selling cards or selling cards on checking my cards or selling on ebay you might make a quarter million selling on amazon honestly because it's that easy it's that quick and you can come up with your own product and control the market control right. the price control everything and then your distribution is to literally worldwide to skyscrapers to you know the downtown san francisco's to the rich people the people to where you know 20 50 100 there ain't that much money because they got high paying jobs they got uh you know a husband and wife both both making six figures and they, they've got family money so this money's nothing to them and they'd rather get shop on amazon than you know ride 20 minutes on the l train or oh, sit in exactly. an hour's worth of traffic because they've got 40 concerts going over here in Chicago, and you can't get from one end to the other on a, on a weekend without, uh, you know, dodging 20 which ways a Sunday. Might as well just am, uh, end it, uh, buy it on Amazon, and it'll show up two hours either way, or they'll give you some money back or give you a kickback, and pretty soon they'll have a drone drop you on the top of, you know. This is what Jeff, this is what impressed me about Jeff Bezos' Amazon. He said, you know, he was given a wide-ranging kind of talk, and he said, well, one day we're just going to be able to uh, beam up or be able to, throw up everything that pollutes stuff into the atmosphere and uh, put it in the Earth's orbit so that all the, like, stuff that pollutes the Earth is actually outside the atmosphere and then, you know, everything on Earth actually wouldn't ever, uh, you know, pollute because everything... Trust me, he thought of Amazon, so if it doesn't make sense, trust me, this guy already thought of Amazon, so probably what he what he said does make sense. And, uh, you know, that's the type of world these guys, the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, they're living, like, in a totally different fantasy land where they're thinking about, like, solving these crazy big problems, get to D.C. to New York in 29 minutes or something. That's what Elon was tweeting about the other day. These guys aren't thinking about today. They're thinking about tomorrow, uh, you know, and maybe that's what you guys should do. And, and uh, yeah, we had a great national, but look for your next step. Panini and Top should be getting into EPAC and uh, doing that stuff. And uh, these dealers should be looking for more ways to innovate. One thing I thought of is, boy, there should be a QR code 
because even I was doing this. I was looking cards up on eBay to make sure I wasn't going to get screwed because why would I could just buy a card off eBay instead of buying it here at the show? What do I care? I want to save a little bit of money here or get a little bit of a deal. These guys could have like QR codes or something, an affiliate link just to go right to the eBay. That yeah, would be, be super cool, easy. Yeah. Just like boop. Uh, that's what I thought the future was, is that almost maybe you don't even have your inventory here. Maybe your inventory is all remote and people like, can go yeah. through all your inventory. That's almost like a third, a third like, party could almost do that. Like instead of like right. eBay or right. like check out my cards doing that, some, I mean, that's like a. Well, a good, a good model, like for people who want to come to the national, but they don't have the money or they don't have the scratch, a good model is just be a buyer. For people, a lot, a ton of people can't come, but they have a million want lists. They have a million different things, and you could organize to where you go find this stuff for these people, and then you get a commission, a finder's fee. On, you could do that all day because there's, I'm sure, plenty of people who would take stuff. And if you were good at that, and, even and just like a that, website that enabled business. that, you know, instead of being the guy that finds the car, having to go there and find the cards, just a website where people could post what they want. And then the other person is out there, and then the other person then can, like, leverage that website and that information and being like, okay, this person needs a PSA 10 George Brett, and then be able to, you know, then go and kind of be in between those two people, I think, would be the most scalable model where you're just taking wants and then pairing that to somebody that either has that card or can find that card. And certainly, like, check out my cards could evolve into that, but I really like like almost like a label where you can print that out and you can scan it on your phone and it, it takes you to the price on checkout. It like, like just displays the price on checkout my cards, displays the price on eBay. You could tap into eBay. You could tap into maybe even like Terapeak or something that has like historical data. And you can like basically see the price history of the card and like the current price and maybe uh, where it's trended in the past. That'd be an interesting uh, business model, and you know, charge dealers, you know, you know, penny a, a penny a label, or you know, whatever. Charge people to tap into your database, and then you can, you know, that's definitely a scalable business. I kind of like that. Um, kind of like that model, uh, or also, like you said, you could come to come to the national with just photos of your car. Have them all be sitting and check out my cards warehouse. And somebody could come to your booth and, you know, complete the tra transaction there. Kind of interesting. Right. And I was thinking, yeah, the affiliate, because it was like all these people were like on their phones. I was like, damn, I'd love to just affiliate these guys' phone real quick because there's probably bidding and buying on there too right. at night or during the show or something. Yep. So just some ways to kind of push this show into the next kind of wave of collecting once we get you know all these old guys kind of kick off and the mantles and stuff well, hey, or, isn't or the, legacy uh, pieces didn't the long beach pieces. expo have something like that where it's yeah uh, so what they have yeah what they have is you, you get like a finder so you can type in i'm looking for the 1944 buffalo nickel blah 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 and, and that'll give you if their dealers uploaded their inventory into the psa system um it'll it'll tell you oh it's sitting over it joe blows yeah and, and you yeah, can go there and cool. get it. So that's a, that's a definitely useful thing, especially for the coin. The coin was amazing to go to. and You should go to actually go. Yeah, one really year. Do. We should go down there because it's really like it's it's really it's crazy. It's like the weekend isn't as packed, 
But it's like the the Thursday is like jam-packed. People coming in and literally like old men are just walking out with like huge boxes and it must weigh like 400 pounds because they're like literally like struggling taking it back to the hotel like with all this like silver and coins. And it's funny like the, the old-time dealers be like, oh, yeah, we used to buy that those silvers you know one ounce is for a dollar and we used to buy it like copper because right now copper is like a you know basically like a dollar now like nothing basically and he's like oh we used to silver used to be sitting around like copper and da 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 and at that point when i went and a silver was like at 17 it's about what it is now about 16 17 bucks and stuff so silver had gone up quite a bit because it did yeah it used to be you know one two three four five bucks so it had gone up and gold has gone up quite a bit and kind of stayed high for a while so um something to yeah but i i think i think the the shows i mean obviously really cool and i i kind of like coming coming out to it um to push it into the next millennium it's going to be something more than box break it's going to be more of like a kind of an experience and dealer tables kind of opening up to technology and to where these guys on their phone who are checking prices, I think there's some way to correlate that because it's really weird to be kind of sitting there and you're kind of checking a price on your phone, the dealer's standing right there. I think there should be some kind of synergy there where the the dealer should be facilitating that and getting some money. I don't, I don't know. I just think that that's – I was thinking to myself, shit. Yeah. I would just put – codes on all yeah. my cards be like yeah go ahead look up your yeah. shit go ahead no 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 don't yeah. type it in just it'll be me i'll yeah. be me right to the, the cards I'll, I'll get the searches right yeah that's a pretty good idea right and get the cookie and then if he doesn't buy your card but then he goes buy shit on ebay you just buy now you're gonna now you you're just gonna made money paid. yep that's pretty cool right the shit you could price yourself so. you you just price it high and be like, oh, you want that car? You want that right. car? Just buy it on eBay. Then I get yeah. to keep my card and make three uh, percent on the on the back right. end. Right. <laughs> yeah. All you're doing, all you're doing, is setting up at shows. You're advertising. Yeah, yeah. Setting up at shows with intentionally high prices. Make eBay look really and good. Forcing like, them eBay to buy on eBay. Damn. It's fifty dollars cheap on, on eBay. I better just buy this now. <laughs> yeah. You just clicks buy now. And you just made money. He thinks you're an idiot, and you just made money off them. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like that. I like that idea. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, 99% of these guys are not going to be able to pull, pull it off. And, and the other 1% are so busy fondling the cards and, uh, you know, fumbling through another group break or whatever that they're not going to have time to implement it. But interesting idea. That's all I got. Well, End it with that gem of uh, a suggestion, and uh, enjoy your time in Vegas. I wish I could be there, but uh, have good memories uh, from the recent trip, and we'll definitely return there another time. And if the National is listening, you can always have your show in Las Vegas or in California, where people with a lot of money live, uh, but uh, they don't want to do that. That's fine. But, uh, you know, we'll talk to you uh, every year. I, you, 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 for whatever reason, <laughs> choose to venture to the Clevelands and the New Jersey. It's a great tax write-off. Yeah, so in, until I stop making money, then uh, I'll probably keep coming out here. Well, so. Sounds good. We'll see, uh, we'll see if you have money next year. But uh, <laughs> I think the odds are pretty good. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll make it out there. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, hey, thanks for, again, another uh, national week. Come and gone. But uh, what lives on is the Sports Card Show podcast. 
And we'll come back to you guys again some other time, some other place. But for now, we're out of here. Peace.